right on Zoom. Yes, we can hear you. Great. Right. Good evening. My name is Justin Lardinois, and I'm the chair of the Planning Commission. Uh, I apologize for the venue tonight. We usually meet in the city council chambers, but this was a last minute move due to scheduling issues. Um, welcome to the Planning Commission meeting. Please remember to turn off your cell phones. The parking validation machine for the garage under City Hall is located on this table over here. Little box with the blinking, not blinking, but the green light. Um, following roll call during summary of hearing procedures, we'll review how the public may provide comment during today's session. We'll start with the roll call. Uh, it's Justin Martin, I'm the chair, I'm here. Vice Chair Nelson White. Here. Commissioner Brosio is not here. Uh, Commissioner Victor. Here. Commissioner Cantrell is not here. Nor is Commissioner Casey. Commissioner Garcia. Here. Commissioner Oliverio is not here. Commissioner Rosario told me he'll be absent. Commissioner Cordios. And Commissioner Young. Here. Okay, so that's, uh, we have quorum. All right, summary of hearing procedures. Do we have speaker cards in here tonight? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, if folks want to fill them out so we can get a speaker order, that'd be great. Um, not required given the situation. Um, and anyways, read through here. If you want to address the commission, please fill out a speaker card located on the table in the back near the parking validation machine. Um, and give me your completed card. Um, the procedure for this hearing is as follows. After staff's presentation, applicants and or appellants may make up to a five minute presentation. During the public comment period, the chair will call out names on the submitted speaker cards in the order received for those members of the public who attend in person. As your name is called, line up in front of the microphone at the front of the chamber. For members of the public who attend by teleconference, the meeting technician will connect those persons who desire to speak to the commission so they may be heard. Generally, each speaker will be given up to two minutes for public testimony, and speakers using a translator will have up to four minutes. At discretion of the chair, the time allowed of each speaker may be changed depending on the number of items in the agenda, number of speakers, and other factors. Speakers using a translator will have doubled the time allotted. After the public testimony, the applicant and or appellant may make closing remarks for up to an additional five minutes. Planning commissioners may ask questions of the speakers, and response to commissioner questions will not reduce the speaker's time allowance. Public hearing will then be closed, and the planning commission will take action on the item. The planning commission may request staff to respond to the public testimony, ask staff questions, and discuss the item. If you challenge these land use decisions in court, you may be limited to raising only those issues you or someone else raised at this public hearing or written correspondence delivered to the city at or prior to the public hearing. Planning Commission's action on rezoning, pre-zoning, the general plan amendments, and code amendments is only advisory to the City Council. City Council will hold public hearings on these items. Section 20.120.400 the Municipal Code provides the procedures for legal protest to the City Council on rezonings and pre-zonings. Planning Commission's action on conditional use permits is appealable to the City Council in accordance with Section 20.100.220 of the Municipal Code. Agendas and all staff reports to this meeting may be accessed at the City's website. And I just want to note that Commissioner Cantrell and Commissioner Rosio have joined us. All right, so we'll continue to call of order, or sorry, call to order in orders of the day. Before we begin, I want to remind the Planning Commission members and members of the public to follow our code of conduct of meetings. This includes commenting on the specific agenda item only and addressing the full body. Speakers will not engage in conversation with commissioners or staff. All members of the Planning Commission, staff, and the public are expected to refrain from abusive language. Repeated failure to comply with the code of conduct which will disturb, disrupt, or impede the orderly conduct of this meeting may result in removal from the meeting. This meeting of the Planning Commission will now come to order. All right. So we'll now continue to public comment. Uh, and this is the time for public comments to the Planning Commission on non-agendized items. So 
everyone folks here for the Holland Hotel projects. I'll be later in the meeting. This is just for item not on tonight's agenda. For members of the public who attended in person, as I said earlier, please fill out a speaker's card. For members of the public who joined by teleconference, please use the raise hand feature in Zoom or press star nine on your phone to raise a hand to speak. Each member of the public may address the commission for up to two minutes. The commission cannot take any formal action without the item being properly noticed and placed on an agenda. In response to public comment, the planning commission is limited to the following options. Responding to statements made or questions posed by members of the public, or requesting staff to report back on a matter at a subsequent meeting, or directing staff to place the item on a future agenda. We have anyone here in person or over Zoom to give public comment on an item not on tonight's agenda? Hello, Chair. We have no hands raised on the Zoom site. Okay, great. So we will move on. Um, Next on the agenda is deferrals and removals from calendar staff. Do we have any items that are being deferred or removed tonight? No. Okay. We'll continue on. So we will go to the consent calendar. Uh, oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, so thank you, Daniel. Um, yeah. All right. So um, before we move further in the meeting, um, We'll take this time to disclose an ex parte communication. This is uh, if any members of the commission have had communications with uh, about items on tonight's agenda outside of a public hearing, this would be the time to disclose. I'll disclose myself that I met with the applicant, Mike uh, Mark Yersini, as well as Christian Greco um, from the neighborhood. Any other commissioners? Commissioner Prius? I also met with the Okay. Any other disclosures? Okay, thank you. Uh, so now we'll continue to the consent calendar and tonight's consent calendar is just our minutes from the November 15th meeting. Do we have any amendments to the minutes or a motion to approve? Motion to approve. All right, there's a motion from Vice Chair Nelswai to approve the minutes from the November 15th meeting. Do we have a second? Second. Okay. Second from Commissioner Young. If there's no further discussion, we'll go to a vote. Vice Chair Nelswai? Yes. Commissioner Barosio? Yes. Commissioner Bigford? Yes. Commissioner Cantrell? Okay. Uh, Commissioner Casey is not present. Commissioner Garcia? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Oliverio? Not present. Uh, Commissioner Rosario is not either. Commissioner Cordia? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. Myself? Yes. So that's seven yes, zero no, and one abstention. That passes. For everyone's information, you do not need to have presence. You just need to vote on the minutes, but it's up to you. So we'll move on. Um, next on the agenda is public hearing, and we have no items for public hearing tonight. Um, the Poland Hotel project is later on the agenda. Um, we'll continue. Item six is continuing the General plan public hearing from November 15, 2023 for 2023 cycle four. Uh, we go to the consent calendar for the general plan, no items. So we will move on to the general plan public hearing. Uh, this, we have one item for tonight. This is GPT 23-001 and ER 23-031, uh, which is uh, privately initiated general plan text amendment. Um, leave as well as Special use? No. no, okay, thank you. Um, relating to uh, the uh, proposed hotel project at 
425 South Winchester Boulevard. So the procedure here, I'll just remind everyone, is we'll have a presentation from staff, then the applicant will have five minutes to speak, then we'll take public comment, each person will have two minutes, and then we'll have an additional five minutes from the applicant, and then we'll go to the commission for discussion and deliberation. So we'll hand over to staff for the presentation. Good evening, Chair, Vice Chair, and Commissioners. My name is Rina Hoye, and I am the Project Manager for item number 88 on the agenda today. Uh, with me today is Court Hitchens. Thank you. Court Hitchens, um, Planner with the CEQA team, with Whitville, Principal Planner, and Laura Miners, Planner for overseeing the review of the Associated Special Use Permit with us on Zoom. Can you just speak a little louder? It's kind of quiet over here, and I just want to make sure it comes through on the microphone. Yes, Yes, so this special use permit is still under review and not a part of the commission's actions tonight. If city council approves staff recommendation, then the special use permit would be heard at a director's hearing. Staff is recommending that planning commission recommend that the city council take all of the following actions. Adopt a resolution to approve the uh, initial study mitigated negative declaration toward the 425 South Winchester Boulevard project for which an initial study was prepared all in accordance to CEQA as amended. And adopt a resolution to approve a general plan text amendment to modify the Santana Rail Valley Fair Urban Village Plan Figure 5-2 Building Height Diagram from 65 feet to 85 feet on an approximately 0.55 gross acre site located at 425 South Winchester Boulevard, and to modify the Santana Row Valley Fair Urban Village Plan Figure 5-3 setback from 40 feet to 20 feet, and the stepback or daylight frame from 45 degrees to 55 degrees for new development when adjacent to residential and urban residential land use designations, and to modify figure 5-3 to no setback and no step back clean required for new commercial development when adjacent to sites that have a residential neighborhood land use designation with an existing legally established commercial use. The project site 425 South Winchester Boulevard is located at the northwest corner of the intersection of South Winchester Boulevard and Golden Avenue. The 425 South Winchester Boulevard site, which is the approximately 0.55 per acre site, currently has a vacant gas station and auto repair business that operates on a month-to-month -month basis. The subject site is within the Santana Row Valley Fair Urban Village Plan area. The applicant is proposing the general plan text amendments to facilitate their special use permit file number SP23-005 to demolish the site and construct a seven-story hotel. Surrounding uses of the subject site include retail, commercial, and restaurants to the north, an office building, Santana West, and the Winchester Mystery House to the south, Santana Road to the east, and single-family residential to the west. Here is a land use map of the Santana Row Valley Fair Urban Village Plan area for context. The site 425 South Winchester Boulevard is where the blue arrow is pointing to. 
The site has a mixed use commercial land use designation. And as you can see, this site requires ground floor commercial and the letter P with a circle means the plan envisions a floating park or plaza. The applicant is aware of this, but has not uh, proposed any park or plazas at the site at this time. A park or plaza at the site is a want, but not a requirement in the urban village plan. The figure 5-2 building height diagram, which has been cropped and zoomed in for ease of viewing, shows the subject site 425 South Winchester Boulevard highlighted in the yellow outline as the site that would go from 65 feet to 85 feet maximum building height. Staff has identified 85 feet as an appropriate transition between the surrounding building heights, which ranges from 35 feet to 150 feet. The current standards for new development adjacent to residential land use designations is a 40 feet side rear setback and a 45 degree step back or daylight plane. The applicant initially came to us with a proposal for a 20 feet side rear setback and 75 degree daylight plane, which is why we have the 75 degree plane in the image here. After receiving public comment and deliberating alternatives, staff believes a 20 feet side rear setback and a 55 degree daylight plane is an appropriate modification. If the text amendments are approved by City Council, any new development adjacent to residential and urban residential land use designations would be required to have a 20 feet setback and a 55 degree daylight plane. In addition, the applicant withdrew the initial request for a general plan land use designation change and associated conforming rezoning for an adjacent parcel located at 390 Spar Avenue. Instead, the applicant is requesting a new text amendment, which states no setback and no step back plane are required for new commercial development adjacent to sites that have a residential neighborhood land use designation with an existing legally established commercial use. 390 Spar Avenue is the only site that currently has a residential. Since you're talking about 390 Spar, would you speak this a little louder, please? Oh, okay. No problem. Yeah, so let me go ahead and repeat. So 390 Spar Avenue is the only site that currently has a residential neighborhood land use designation and an existing legally established commercial use. Staff held two virtual community meetings and attended one in-person meeting hosted by the neighborhood. During these meetings, common reoccurring themes of concerns included the proposed hotel itself, traffic impacts, daylight and shadows from the proposed hotel, changes to the urban village plan, the setback and the step back or daylight plan. The Planning Commission staff report includes staff's responses to these issues. In summary, traffic impacts and hotel operations can be addressed through the special use permit process. As for the issues related to setback and step back daylight plane, staff believes the setback is an appropriate uh, change given the existing setback on the site and that the reduced setback would support intensification of the site pursuant to the goals of the general plan and the urban village plan. 
The change of the daylight plane from the initial 75 degrees, which is a citywide design standard, to 55 degrees is an acceptable compromise to allow some flexibility while still providing step backs for single family properties. An initial study mitigated negative declaration has been prepared for the project and is included as part of the general plan text amendment, as well as the special use permit. The general plan text amendments, should they be approved by city council, will facilitate the demolition of the site 425 South Manchester Boulevard for the construction of an approximately 90,797 square foot, 176 room hotel. The initial study mitigated negative declaration concludes that the project would not result in any significant impacts with a mitigation plan. Therefore, staff recommends that the Planning Commission find that the project is in conformance with the California Environmental Quality Act and recommend Planning Commission to recommend that the City Council approve of the general plan text amendments. This concludes staff's presentation. Thank you, Rena. Um, before we move on, just one more note that Commissioner Alvario has joined us and then also ask for warning when the signs that phones. Okay, um, so now that we've concluded the staff presentation, we'll move on to five minutes from the applicant. Yeah, just make sure you project so the microphone picks you up. And uh, so we'll start your time now. Great, thank you very much and thank you. Mr. Chair and members of the uh, Planning Commission, it's a pleasure to be here this evening. And, uh, first of all, I want to thank staff for a very clear uh, analysis and report. Uh, sometimes we have difference of opinion on how the staff report comes out, and I'm very pleased with the, uh, the clarity and the detail that went into this particular staff report. As was mentioned, um, before, I, before I go, I want to mention that I have uh, all the members of my design team here uh, this evening, both in the room and on Zoom. They include Lowney Architects, HMH Civil Engineering, Kimberly Warren Environmental and Traffic Engineers, and Jesse Lexton with the principal of Sightline Hospitalities. And I want to encourage the Planning Commission's commissioners to ask any questions of any member of the, the team or here to address those comments. I'd like to keep mine very brief at the opening here and just address what was pointed out by staff, what we heard from uh, some of the members of the community. And I'm going to start off with the first one, and that is the, uh, the comment about impacting traffic on Spar Avenue. I just want to uh, be very clear that we designed the project specifically uh, to have our cars turn in the drive lane left onto Bolin Avenue to a signalized intersection. And that signalized intersection allowed those cars leaving the hotel to either go southbound on Winchester Boulevard or northbound on Winchester Boulevard. So there, there isn't a need for them to traverse uh, along Spar Avenue. And we've included uh, a, with the, with the help of Public Works and continue to have dialogue with Public Works on this, signage that will be installed at the drive exit that will state the hotel guest left turn only and that we believe will be you know adequate to uh, indicate which way is the proper way to exit out onto old avenue and get out of the neighborhood 
The second comment that is prevalent here is the shade or shadow of adjoining property owners. And there is a shadow study that was done, and I'm going to have uh, John Sung with Monty Architects to address that. But uh, in addition to the, the, the shadow studies, I, on the screen, you'll see, you go back one slide, Jennifer, on the screen, uh, I've outlined, uh, I've had the architects outline in the dotted line is the approved five-story mixed-use project that I have to date. And the other line there, the this solid line, is the outline of the proposed hotel. And I wanted to show this because we took shots, and Jennifer, you can point down to the first red dot up there. We flew uh, drone uh, shots, and now you can go to the next slide, from that particular vantage point at 37 feet and then up to um, 80 feet in, in height. And I wanted to do this because I wanted to demonstrate that, yes, at 37 feet, you'll be able to see on that left uh, slide there is the office building uh, uh, owned by Phyllis Weber. And then to the next slide over there, the blue hole that you see is also owned by Phyllis Weber, but is occupied by her daughter that is here this evening. And then the next slide over uh, is the third property corner, which is RC with, with the tree there. And when you go to the higher uh, height limit of uh, 80 feet, obviously we're starting to look over the top of these homes and not necessarily looking in like, to, to where you are. Jennifer, you go to the next slide, please. The next point that was taken, you can point that out, is right in this location here. And I thought that was sort of a key location of showing it's out exactly the outline of the group mixed use project. You can go back up, Jennifer. Again, taking shots. And it really, and I, and I want to pause for a moment. I've, I've looked at these quite often, and there are a few locations where one can see a blue home and a, and a rear yard. There are other locations where the, the existing tree that's planted there, there's no visibility uh, whatsoever into the, into the rear yard. And again, when you get higher up, um, it makes it even more uh, challenging to uh, look down and, and see vistas into the rear yard. Privacy is a, a, a key, and we've we've designed the project with an eight foot high wall. Includes your time. In that time, yeah. that was five minutes. It was. Yeah. You'll have an additional five minutes after public comment. Thank you. All right. So we will move on to public comment on this item. I see all the stack of speaking cards right here. I'll take those. Thanks. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So we'll take uh, that one first. Uh, you have two minutes right ahead. Thank you. Sorry. I'm Parks Commissioner. I'm supposed to be in that meeting right now. So I just ran down here. So hello, Commissioners. My name is Daphne Wolf. I am president of the Winchester Orchard Neighborhood Association, referred to as BONA from here on out. We're bordered by Stevens Creek and 280, as well as Santa Tomas and Winchester Boulevard across from Santana Road. We are an older established neighborhood with a rich history that is now surrounded by city-designated urban villages, which of course means multi-story infill development. Our neighbors, including myself, were prominent members of the Stevens Creek Urban Village Planning Committee, as well as the Winchester Boulevard Urban Village Planning Committee. During the 18 months of meetings, neighbors, developers, and the planning department dug deeply into the integration of the urban villages with the established neighborhood. 
even though we asked for lower heights in the urban villages, they were, these were consistently raised as the months went on. Eventually, the entire committee asked for shadow studies for the entire corridor, as well as site plans, setbacks, and height proposals. These were provided and studied by the task force. The final recommendations and guidelines came from 18 diligent months of work. To simply ignore the work of the planning department and these task forces sends a clear message to the citizenry, don't volunteer as your work and voices will not be honored. The urban village plans were made as a roadmap for the future. They have been followed by other developers. The future is now and the plans are relevant. The neighbors sacrificed much as the plans were set forth. We are not a NIMBY neighborhood as everything is in our backyards. Our vision statement for our neighborhood is as follows. Plan for tomorrow while preserving the integrity of our neighborhood today. This matches the urban village and 2040 general plan guidelines, which seeks to integrate new developments while not severely compromising existing neighborhoods. You'll hear from neighbors tonight about the Owen Hotel proposal. They will talk about heights, setbacks, solar panels, and more. There are precedents all along Winchester Boulevard as new developments have followed the urban village plans. Yeah, well, that concludes your time. Thank you very much. Yeah, and thank you for taking the time to join us when you've got your own meeting going on. Uh, all right, we will go ahead to the cards I have here. Um, Dave Duquette, I'll pronounce your name correctly. Sorry, did I get that wrong? No, you pressed right. Okay. Uh, this project has reeked of deception and coercion right from the very start. Why was the first notice for a community meeting for this project printed on the wrong, on the wrong date and then sent out to everybody? Why was the needed support from property at 390 Spar Avenue all of a sudden pulled at the very end? The general plan amendment will affect the entire urban village. Why hasn't the entire urban village been and surrounding neighbors been notified of this? Since this affects the entire urban village, why was this pushed through with only a mitigated environmental impact report? If, this, if the entire urban village and neighboring residents were notified of what was actually taking place tonight, there'd be a lot more folks here and we would not all be able to fit in this room. With only two minutes, I don't have enough time to go over how egregiously deceptive the traffic analysis report was for this project. However, I will say that everyone, ask anyone in this room, if you were to say, what, when the traffic might be an issue for this project, given that it's directly across from Santana Row and Valley Fair, I've learned that no one would pick Wednesday, February 15th, or Thursday, March 3rd, the middle of the week on the slowest time of year. These were the only two days that were analyzed when they did the, when they did the report. And then they had the nerve to say that the traffic calming measures have been a great success. <clears throat> This would all be quite amusing if I wasn't so disgusted and offended by this whole process. The urban village plan took years of community, community engagement to complete. I personally was at those PAC meetings, and at the end of the day, it was not perfect, but I think the city could be proud of what actually took place. Now, I can't believe that we're going to throw this all away because one greedy developer wanted to do things on the cheap and put 10 pounds of crap in a five-pound bag. It's that simple. There are more than enough potential sites that are large enough to accommodate a hotel of this size that will fall within the guidelines of the city for the urban village plan. I have a card from a Scott. Here. Uh, hello, members of the Planning Commission. Uh, as a resident of Spar Avenue, I live west of the Santana Row Valley Fair Urban Village Plan and across the street from the site. 
of the proposed hotel. We all welcome new development. I'd have many concerns with today's agenda items. Honestly, too many to cover in my allotted two minutes, so I'm going to raise just the three that I'm most uh, passionate about. <clears throat> my first concern is the acoustics analysis. Uh, in, the in the recreational activity section, there's too much estimation and very little detail on the proposed patio and pool. Uh, and where is the acoustical analysis of the open-air restaurant? There's absolutely nothing in there. SPAR already receives a good amount of noise originating from the Santana Road Park and traveling through the corridor, which is created by the sheer buildings along Olin. Noise levels in excess of 100 decibels are not uncommon in restaurants, and this restaurant's windows will open up both to Winchester and Olin, and the sound's going to ride that same corridor into our neighborhood. My second concern is with the local transportation analysis. The developer is well aware that the 45 on-site vehicle parking spaces on for the 176-room hotel is inadequate, so it's currently looking for on-site uh, parking. Looking? Without tangible parking, this development plan and analysis is merely theoretical and incomplete. My final concern is with the, is with the transparency of this amendment. After, walk after walking and polling the neighborhoods, I estimate generously that the city only sent out 50 postcards and all were sent to the residents, either zero, one, or maybe two streets, uh, uh, one, two, or streets west of the site. But the amendment is for the entire urban village plan, a plan spanning about 85 acres. Uh, I looked at a map, I counted about 198 residents that have a fence line either inside the plan or uh, directly adjacent to the plan area. Scott, that concludes your time. Yep. Thank you. And only 15 have been notified out of those 198. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you, Scott. Um, and just, just to be clear, I was laughing because Mr. Alvarez was saying that he got spooked by the alarm going off. Not he wasn't laughing. That's fine. All right. The card for Jane Lucero Wolf, please. The name That's me. Thank okay. you. Look, um, the planning staff has demonstrated no concern for Spar Avenue and its residents. By broadly recommending that the city council approve all submitted general plan amendments by one developer without taking into account any of the concerns of the impacted residents, this planning commission is going to be blatantly tossing aside all of the collaborative work, as mentioned by Daphna, that we've put into the Earth Santa Row urban village plans that were approved in 2017. Though I oppose all of the proposed amendment, I am specifically concerned with the following. Given that signs on private property are not enforceable by law, this statement alone demonstrates that members of this commission or the planning staff, excuse me, have not seriously given any consideration to the residents of SPAR. To think that hotel patrons will only turn left onto Olin is not only naive, it is laughable. Any person driving a car who needs to go to Stevens Creek will not wait for a light at Olin and Winchester especially if they have already waited for their car to be delivered to them from an off-site location. Secondly, I disagree that a mixed-use residential project is infeasible within the framework of the Santana Row Urban Village. The developer, Mark Tercini, was well aware of the building requirements or guidelines when, they were, when the property was purchased in 2020. While I agree that a hotel will increase the number of jobs in San Jose, 
I highly doubt that residents within the urban village will be among those hired. Furthermore, there is no added value to residents in terms of walkability and amenities. We are not going to take advantage of any of the rooms. We will not be allowed to use open spaces for our own benefit, aside from perhaps dining on the first floor. Rather, we will be fighting traffic from visitors who are not from the urban village. Hotel patrons Jane, are not residents. Thank you. Next card. Sorry, I have trouble with Henry, but I think Bronza. My name is Rosa. I purchased the 358 SPAR on September 2022. Um, I am very close to the hotel project from about three houses. I wanted to be the part, I wanted to park in Santana Road, so bought this house. I had educated myself exhaustively on the city and planning guidelines, guidelines before the purchase. I'm now finding out that the city is throwing away all the studies, the new guidelines, and promises down the drain for a profit. I have since then invested 15,000 drip irrigation plants, trees, and greenhouses. I'm also in discussion on solar con uh, conversion to save on energy costs. Zero to no regard to established community guidelines. City and Olin Avenue LLC are now teaming up to deprive me from privacy in my own home, forcing me to take on over 400,000 in energy costs in the next 30 years, by forcing dependence on PGE and also eliminating any possibilities of vegetable garden on my property. City secured the maximum property tax allowance from my purchase by using the sale price during the highest inflation period. I was clearly misled with the false urban city guidelines publications at the time. City and Olin Avenue LLC are not partaking in direct measures to deprive me from my opportunities to reduce my energy costs, but instead are okay with reducing my property value without any proposed reduction to my property taxes. Either the city failed to educate the developer on the planning guidelines or the developer is trying to make a mockery of the uncountable base put into this into safeguarding the community values environmental interests. Either way, this is a colossal waste of time and taxpayers' money. I demand to be compensated for the lost solar opportunity, demand for my property taxes to be reduced, and demand the city and all of the LLC team to provide a community garden. Thank you. Thank you. Well, my next part is for Bill Shipman. Schaefer. Schaefer, okay. All right. My name is Bill Schaefer. I've been a resident on uh, Hanson Avenue for the last 25 plus years. It's next to Rio Brooklyn Spar. First off, I want to make sure, make clear, far from any development. When we brought our house back in 87, uh, Santana Row wasn't even around. It was town and country, open air uh, mall. Uh, since then, my both of my daughters uh, have been employed there. One still is today. Um, so, you know, we, we very much appreciate, you know, the development that's occurred around the area, the architecture, the safety that happens when you have all this investment coming in the area and the developers really want to protect that investment. So th that's all appreciated. Uh, so not out of development. However, with regards to Holland Hotel uh, development, I have serious concerns. Uh, it's an attractive design, sure. Uh, replaces gas stations. It's been out of use for some time. It's adjacent to an empty piano store. Um, you know, you've got a con restaurant, which is fenced up, covered in graffiti, and progressively being vandalized. So the whole area is sort of like conspiring to courts us into, you know, appreciating any kind of development that could improve that strip. Uh, but, you know, this isn't going to be the one. 
Unfortunately, the hotel owned hotel is currently proposed has the potential to create many more problems beyond its current property boundaries, not the least of which is the precedent would set for other adjacent developments and beyond that will seek to break every rule in the interest of making their project work. I haven't spoken to anyone in our neighborhood that actually opposes a hotel per se. What we are uniformly opposed to is the fact that the developer has seemingly gone out of its way to break or bend every rule that were painstakingly crafted by the residents over the better part of two years. And the modifications of the general plan that the applicant seeks with respect to shrunken setbacks, steeper site plans, and increased overall height are all supposed to be in interest of making the project work. Consider perhaps that this project doesn't in fact work. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Bill. Next, I have Christian Greco. Commissioners, I'm Christian Greco, Vice President of the Winchester Working Neighborhood Association. In the strongest of ways, our neighborhood urges a no vote for these general plan text amendments. These amendments run contrary to the neighborhood protections suggested in and required by the general plan and the Santana Road Valley Fair Urban Village Plan. As these changes have potential to negatively impact not only spar properties, but all properties within the bordering within and bordering the urban village, it should be questioned whether legal and proper notification has been given to all potentially impacted properties. We believe not. When properties not on spar are negatively impacted, those residents will ask how this happened, what was the process, and who's responsible. For this project on that site, the requested changes exceed current maximums that any other developer would be required to adhere The same should be required of this development. The latest requested change to no setback and no setback claim required for new commercial development adjacent to sites that have residential neighborhood land use designations with existing legally established commercial use is highly egregious. It would strip residents in that land use designation of the right to any legally established commercial use without the threat of an 85 foot building straight up on their property line. This is completely unacceptable. All we ask is that this development play by the existing rules, very simple. This change would set the precedent that would be the new standard in our urban village first and all others thereafter, as it would be extremely hard for this commission and city council to say no to others after saying yes here and now. Please vote no. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. All right. My next card is for Phyllis Weber. I'm the owner of three nine spar and also three eight two spar, so I'm hoping I can have four minutes. Just two. <laughs> <laughs> My building was purchased in 1983 and was sold as a beauty shop. I applied for commercial and, was, and that was granted. And at the time, I paid $3,300 for the fees to get that zoning. Been occupied many years as Weber Insurance plus professional tenants. Now I am professional tenants. Now the city has arbitrarily rezoned me to, to professional and Make me feel better. I'm grandfathered in, along with professional buildings along the all along the east of going east on Oloa. Mark Tresini had planned to 
for health project, which requires allowing an approximately 22 foot height change zoning change. He could not proceed without my approval. He approached me and my girls saying that in exchange, he would apply for a zoning change at 390 Spara to allow to up to three multifamily units in order to go forward. I signed intent, but didn't go forward. The secretary said she would take care of the details. Unbeknownst to me, Tersini paid $17,500 in fees. I naively thought it was $1,000, and considering what I paid years ago, I should have known better. However, after much consideration, I decided a change of zoning with height limit above those currently allowed was not good, as it would impact 390 SPAR, 382 SPAR owned by me, and potentially impact all properties going north to Winchester due to shadows produced in backyards of the residences. Again, I had not signed for a zoning change and rescinded anything related to a zoning change on 390 SPAR. Requests regarding potential zoning change were removed and fees returned to Mr. Rossini as far as that's, that's the conclusion of your file. Excuse me. You have two minutes to speak, and it's been two minutes. I need another two because I have another property. It's two minutes per person. Well, you missed the best part. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm calling for a Pete Smith, but are you here on behalf of the developer? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Uh, right. So we'll, that, that'll be part of the five minutes at the beginning and the end. So these parts are just for members of the public. Is it from the community or work for the I work for the government. I just want to make sure I have a chance to respond to questions if possible. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so um, if we ask you questions, you can answer them. Um, the previous hearings have not made an answer. Gotcha. Okay. Well, just trying to be careful. Sure. Okay. Um, all right. So I have another card for Kim Lee. Is that what it says? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have to be prepared, but pretty much uh, kind of you state what most of the tenants here we. Uh, most of the tenants, uh, residents uh, in their first, second generation uh, on the residents in the area. Uh, I just see the trends of just how um, things just kind of move a certain way and it doesn't really benefit the neighborhood. Uh, I, for a reason, I picked this neighborhood because I was able to want to raise my kids in a quiet neighborhood. Um, I didn't expect the neighborhood to change. You know, thank goodness for Wona. They stopped the encroachment into our neighborhood when the uh, Red Trust took over the theaters. You know, without Wona, we would have just, they would have just kept, kept coming and coming and coming. In. This project, I think the last meeting we had uh, at uh, uh, Daphne's house, the shadow study shows that there's going to be. going to touch on my week. I spent a lot of money on a solar roof, you know, trying to help the environment. And now it's going to be affected directly. They showed that study. Yeah. I'm quite happy. You know, uh, we're also trying to have privacy for our kids. Make sure that other developers won't develop the same way. If you allow this to happen, I'm very sure the next one that's right behind me, which was the Old Carnes uh, 
store or your client store. So yes, yeah, it's, it's gonna be the same thing, and and I'm just afraid that it's gonna continue, and all of us that works on that once part will be affected. And I think that's not the, that's we chose this neighborhood <coughs> that we want to live at, and we don't want to we don't want to change. Thank you, Ken. All right, so that concludes the cards I have. Is there anyone in the room tonight who would like to give a public comment who didn't put card in? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you could just state your name and then go ahead. Yes, I'm Kristen Carlisle. I live next to 390 Spar at 382 Spar. Uh, I have lived in my house since 1988, and I live there and I stay there because it's quiet and it's safe, and I have a wonderful garden that I don't have to place completely in the sun. Now with the new building that's gone in to the right and the new one's gonna it's projected to go in, I have 45 minutes of sun in the day. The whole neighborhood temperature has changed to windy and cold. Um, it's changed the whole environmental impact of the whole neighborhood and it makes people not want to be there. So you know people are selling right and left. You might look, I know it's not just prices, but people want to leave because of the things that are happening to the did that conclude your comments? Yeah. Anyone else? Okay. Do we have anyone on Zoom for public comment? I'm sure, yes, we have one speaker with their hand raised. Uh, Greg Chisti, if you can go ahead and unmute your device and state your comment. You have two minutes. Okay. Uh, this is pretty cool. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, you can touch the volume. You'll see the volume. Uh, settings. Uh, I, oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, we just turn up the volume in the room. You can go ahead now. Uh, okay, great. Um, so I just want to say I'm I'm also a resident. I live nearby. I live in the new Pulte development. Um, I'm also the youngest in the room, so to speak. So I'm not in the room. Um, I just want to say I'm, I'm strongly in favor of this. Um, I have family that would want to stay in this hotel. Um, I think it's like there's a lot of hypocrisy here because literally right across the street is a building that I'm pretty sure is over 100 feet, right? Santana West is very tall and it's right next door. Um, and then I also want to say for the developer, for the proposed lounge, please consider not having it be indoor-outdoor because the road noise from Winchester is terrible and I would never go there if I could hear it from your lounge. And that's all I have to say. Thank you, Greg. Um, is there anyone else who's on Zoom or is that it? Yes, we have another speaker, uh, Jeffrey Zemoter, Z, Z Tomer. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead and unmute your device and begin to speak. Hi, can everyone hear me? Yes. Yeah, I'm Jeff Zittermer. I've been living on Hanson Avenue, so one street over from SPAR for 10 years uh, with a wife and eight-year-old daughter. I'm mostly here to join the concerns of my neighbors from SPAR. Uh, sort of, yeah, a hotel in the area would be very nice. I kind of agree with the last person, but as far as height, shadows, traffic, just sort of throwing by the wayside all the research that was already put in, all the communication with the neighbors, um, and just kind of deciding with, I don't know, at least here it wasn't communicated what was behind all the times that it was like, okay, staff thinks this is reasonable or whatever the specific term was. 
that's just kind of troubling, troubling also to think about all the rest of the development up to the north of that on Winchester where there wouldn't be a tree in the way blocking privacy, or also when just a permit is submitted to remove that tree and then it just gets removed uh, and then it won't be there any longer. Um, and just, I guess a comment on the Santana West, uh, I can't really take credit for this. Uh, I haven't been as involved with the neighborhood, but I know that the neighbors worked very closely on all the planning related to that as well. I was only in a couple of meetings um, and that was uh, a pretty big trauma for uh, all the neighbors. So saying that it's hypocrisy because there's a taller building is kind of silly. That taller building wasn't there a few years ago when many of the same people here who spoke on behalf of the neighbors uh, were involved in all of that and made a lot of concessions to allow that to happen. I'm still waiting for the park for my eight-year-old daughter. I was promised that when she was three, is I believe when that meeting was that I was at, and it was talked about some park being in some phase two of that Pulte project um, in exchange for all of the changes coming. Uh, still waiting for that park. So um, like, I think we need to see a little bit more to, to, to believe and we need to be given a little more credit or really my, my neighbors and the, and the neighborhood committee need to be given a lot more credit because they've been on top of this all along. Uh, I'm just really here to support them and sort of feel sorry for not being here sooner. Thank you. Thank you. Does that conclude Zoom public comment? But next we have uh, oh, Matt okay. Branding. Matt, go ahead Hi. and get your desk. Hi, yes, I'm Matt Brading. Um, I've lived in 350 Spar since 91, born and raised in this house, and um, seen all the changes throughout the years. And with the new um, proposed development, I'm worried a lot about the traffic. Um, we're getting a lot of people cutting through on Spar Avenue. Um, also worried about the privacy. I mean, with the, the aerial views, they can see right into my backyard, so I'm worried about that. And also just the noise um, of more traffic, more people around. We have a lot of people loitering in the area already and people parking on our street and loitering. And for the gentleman who was concerned about the hotel, there, you know, we're already, there's already a hotel in um, Hotel Valencia and Santana Row, a couple of the hotels nearby. So I don't think another hotel is needed in this area um, right now um, or, or ever. I'm, we're, so we're against this uh, proposed hotel development right now. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes all of the hands raised on, on our side, on the Zoom side. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, we pass these cards down to Michael Brio. Okay, um, so then that concludes public comment on this item. We will move on to initial five minutes for the applicant. Thank you, Mr. Chair and, and members of the commission. I, I sent a letter to all of you and I, I wanted to outline that on um, the property initially, I, I went through the process with the same design team with the exception of the architecture uh, for a mixed use residential project. It was done, it was done at the same time I was working with block construction for pricing throughout, and a lot of things have changed and, and the, since the time that I purchased the property to now, both construction costs and more importantly, interest rates have moved substantially, making the project uh, infeasible uh, to build. And I don't see a future for the, the project to be built, even if the interest rates were to uh, decline. I believe they will, but the construction costs were uh, substantially higher than what we could afford to uh, spend and actually attract the capital. So I want to be really cautious of my time because I do want John to be able to, again, demonstrate the shadow study. But brought in Lowney Architects to completely redesign the project. So I have an approved project. Moving that aside, 
redesigned the project to an L-shaped, R-shaped building, folded as close as we could to Winchester Boulevard and Olin, and provide great setbacks uh, to the adjoining property owners of both Kristen and, uh, and Phyllis. There's going to be not a debate. Yeah, got it. Not the base, right? And I and so I'm going to let John get this shadow study. So I haven't missed this opportunity, but I'm here to answer any questions. The commission. So just want to explain the shadow study that we have here. The first thing to note is the blue shadows versus the gray shadows over there, and what that shows is the difference between a 65 foot tall building and 85 foot tall. Building. So we were talking incremental increase in the shafts. Just keep that in mind. So we're looking at June, March, September, and December. Obviously, the December is the worst case scenario because the sun is at its lowest. When you're looking at June, you can see that none of the shadows affect any of the residential, the top two buildings there at all, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. There's no effect on the shadows. When you go to March and September, 9 a.m., you can see a little bit of encroachment on that middle residential right there. And then by 9.30 a.m., there is no shadow effect on the residential, March and September. When you look at December, you can see that 9 a.m., you're going to get effect. You are going to have some effect on those two residential at the very top. But by 11 a.m., you're not going to have any effect on the shadows. That red dotted line on the December timeline there shows the extent of the existing shadow from the office building. So that is already encroaching into the residential building right there already. But that basically gives you a good idea of how it affects during the times of the year. Again, summer months, there's no effect. March and June, through March and September, we're talking at 9.30 a.m. and beyond. You're gonna be out of the shadows. And on December, the worst case scenario, by 11 a.m., you will be out of the shadow. Okay. You have another minute and a half. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I'll just make myself available for any questions on the civil engineer or the traffic engineer that's available via Zoom. Okay. Thank you. So that concludes the applicant's presentation. And before we get to commissioner discussion, I just want to clarify something with our attorney. Um, so we have nine commissioners in attendance tonight. So majority of us would be five, but because this is a general plan item, we need a majority of the body, which would be six. We need six votes to make any decision tonight. Okay. So uh, given we don't have any electronics keeping track of the speaker order, just if you want to speak, just get my attention and I'll I'll keep track and I'll call on you as Commissioner Bigfoot first. For clarification though, yeah. when you said any decision, that, that decision is a recommendation. City Council. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah. On this item, we are purely advisory. Just one. Thank you. Michelle Alberio. Uh, professional planning staff, so you've heard a lot of comments from the, the community that have a certain consensus. Uh, how do you how do you manage that? How do you speak to those comments? Because I was the guy on or whoever the you know yeah. the I think so. I think that I think so there there were there was a long process where we were we had design guidelines and how the buildings would interact in the phase with the surrounding neighborhood. I think a couple of things have happened. One is, uh, you know, we're not seeing, so this is an area where we do envision in, in, in more dense, intense development, and it hasn't been happening. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, high interest rates, construction costs, I think 
that we feel that some of the standards that were there make it much more challenging to develop some of these narrower sites along Winchester. And so given the larger sort of vision of urbanizing the corridor, we thought it was appropriate to make some modifications to those. The other thing I would note is that there were citywide design standards that were developed that have step down and step back requirements or standards within them that are much more you could say urban or aggressive or less, um, you know, less sensitive or, you know, they don't require as, as, uh, as Rina said, they don't require a bit, um, as much of a step down. And so the proposal or our recommendation you have is, is not going citywide design standards. It's actually kind of finding more of a middle ground that is sort of more of the spirit of what the plan was. Um, while allowing this development to move forward. So I think it is the desire to see some new development and come up with standards that would actually facilitate development of the properties along Winchester, which has not been happening. And would you say that in the process of planning that is a text amendments to general plan, specific plans are common or uncommon? They're not that, well, we've had, I think we've had a few, but it's not that common. And then if this was a different use, you'd be existing the new state laws. If someone wanted to do a residential project with the density bonuses, those with that type of project would have the ability to go forward uh, and have height and shadowing wouldn't be a factor based on state law. Right. So if a project it would need to include it can use density bonus, um, which requires some amount of affordability. It depends on the level of affordability. Five percent or ten percent, or fifteen, just depends, and then you get a certain number of concession waiver depending on how much the affordability. But um, by including some level of affordability in a market rate project or a hundred percent affordable project, could you use concession and waivers to essentially eliminate step downs, setbacks, all of that stuff if it makes the project? So, when members of the committee are concerned about the outline of building the box. Uh, and it's a commercial project versus some of the ones that you discussed. At the end of the day, that box can grow substantially based on new state law. Um, and, you know, it just happens to that this project doesn't qualify for that because it's commercial versus that. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Yeah. Mr. Cantrell. Um, so I, 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 I'm kind of confused because it seems too easy. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. It seems like there's a plan, there's agreed upon plan, there's a process, agreed upon, people make concessions. And one developer can have line items changed specifically for their project that then will impact other projects in the future. Is it really that simple? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is the proposal can, would, it, the height is specific to this property, but some of the other changes would would uh, would um, go into effect on Winchester as well for the reasons I, I described. <clears throat> so I mean, again, there, this, the applicant is proposing changes, and that's why we're here tonight. So you have to consider these changes. And, well, I don't know yeah. if we're just here to consider the changes. I think the city staff has already considered the changes in the report. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the yeah, yeah. study group. Um, I, I also, sorry, I made some notes as we were going along here. I just want to, I forgot to say thank you 
for coming and speaking in any direction of what you believe or feel about the project. We don't often get a lot of people and a lot of voices. And for me, it's the best part of this non-paying job. <laughs> because I, I can hear what you're thinking. Uh, so thank you for that. And thank you for bringing forth the project when you're trying to make a difference for centers. And of course, we'd all prefer positive. But I do want to draw one distinction that if this was a project receiving a density bonus, it would give the community, San Jose, a significant bonus. So I don't think that's a fair comparison. You would get affordable housing. You would get what? Affordable housing. If this were a density bonus configuration, we would also get affordable housing. So it's, it's that an apples to apples comparison. So we, we have a plan, we have agreement on a plan, and then we have a substantial change to the plan based on a need. So what we're really trying to decide, and I just correct me if we're wrong, is if we value the hotel over the community's needs? Well, I think it's not just the hotel. I think from our perspective, there's a need to change the, the, the design standards on all of Winchester because of the, the depth of the lots to make development possible. But shouldn't that be a different process? Yes. <laughs> yes, it should. Right. So I, I see Commissioner Young, Commissioner Bigford, and so Young, Bigford, and Garcia, and Tordias. Okay. Uh, and I just want to politely ask members of the public to not give further comments at this time. Um, Okay, so I have a bunch of questions myself. Um, first off, there were some concerns raised during public comment about the notification for this project. And I'm just, could staff just explain how the city's notification rules apply in this case and what they would require? Um, so we follow our, uh, sorry, from the staff report, um, city council policy 6-30, I think, which um, um, identifies projects based on community interest this, because it's a general plan change, is a significant community interest, and depending on the type of project, then there's a noticing radius from the project site. So uh, my understanding is that uh, significant projects have a 1,000-foot radius. So you would receive a postcard, the owner and the resident of properties within 1,000 feet of that site should receive a notice. Um, we send these out several weeks before a hearing. It includes information on the Planning Commission hearing and um, the city council hearing, as well as information on how to contact the project planner. Okay. There's also an on-site notice for once the project starts, it's posted on the site, and that's where they can um, obtain more information. Okay, thank you, Ruth. And my follow-up question to that is, in a case like this, where the general plan text amendment concerns things that were established in kind of the village plan, um, is the 1,000-foot radius from the lot that the text amendment is specific to or the entire urban village from the project site okay. the property so that is what is required yes. by city policy okay all right uh i'm not sure if that seems like the way it should be to me but i just want to clarify that that is what the requirement is um okay and then um let's see so i guess kind of also, in the same vein of some of the things Commissioner Cantrell was asking. Um, so, 
in my view, and, and there are two major um, goals in adopting a religious plan. One is to allow community input to upfront before individual projects come in, set a vision for how an area is going to develop, and then also to streamline the process for when those projects come through. Would you say that those two are, that's accurate that those are two major goals? And uh, so I guess, and as Commissioner Cantrell asked in his answer, this it's not common to make these kinds of amendments. Um, I guess what I'm wondering is, um, so we haven't been doing urban villages for that long in San Jose, I think since 2011, is that correct? So 2014, somewhere around there? Uh, well, they were approved by the general plan was approved in 2011, and we started doing Right. So is that years? Right. And so is there any process for because you know urban villages don't necessarily get all built out within a quick amount of time. So is there any process for going back and reevaluating an urban village plan? Is there anything that automatically happens so that like it's like is this still the way we want to do it? Is it outdated? Have things changed? Is there any process for that or is it really just through these text amendments that might be privately initiated. There, there is no formal process for that. I mean, we could do that. I think right now the pressure is on us to do as many of these plans. Sixty-four urban villages, and we've done fourteen plans. Sure. The way the general plan was set up before, it wasn't intending to have all those urban villages be able to house. The general plan was amended as part of the four-year review, so now the rush is on. So. It could happen. We would get to get council direction and then find. Yeah. Okay. But there's not a formal sort of every four years, right? Right. And the reason I bring that up is because, I mean, uh, I totally recognize the possibility that you know an urban village plan might be set up a certain way, and you know the city finds that it doesn't lead to the kind of development that the city was trying to stimulate. Um, and that it might need to be changed. I guess it's unfortunate. I, I see it as very unfortunate that the only way currently to address that is through an amendment like this because private amendment, yeah. right? And private yeah. amendment for a specific property because that to me at least seems to contradict the spirit of why we do urban village plans. Uh, and at the same time, I recognize that. Getting through these urban village plans is a large undertaking, and staff is already pretty swamped with that. I'm not saying council necessarily should be handing down a requirement for this like immediately, but uh, I do think it's a, a hole in our policy. Um, let's see. Um, I should add that I, I just remember that so sure. we haven't had a lot of private machine engines, but we do have them. We had one comes to mind. Where developers wanted to do high density um, where it wasn't allowed. And in particular, there was a um, <clears throat> the community was very adamant that high density should not happen on industrial property by the park stations as far as space power thing like that. And so that was a change. So, so it's not it's not something that happens regularly, but it has happened. Right. Okay. Um, I think that concludes my questions for now. Um, I'll let other commissioners give their input. Um, Commissioner Young? Yes. Um, so first of all, thank you all for being here. As was previously stated by Commissioner uh, Cantrell, we really appreciate you being here, in person especially. I, I know it's not convenient to 
come down and spend your time. So we really appreciate you being here. Okay, so um, I have a question for the applicant. Um, I was not on the commission when the original project was approved. So you have a you have a project approved, correct? Yes, I do. Okay, but that was a special use permit. It wouldn't have come through the planning commission. Okay, it was it was yeah, and a director hearing. That's That's fine. Can you tell me what what is that project that's been approved? It's uh, twenty seven residential units and twelve thousand square feet of commercial, both on the ground floor, eight thousand square feet, and the balance of it on the second floor. Okay, and what is the height of the building? Sixty five feet. So it's six stories. Five stories. Five stories. Sixty five feet. Uh, retail on the ground floor That's and correct. 27, 27 residential condominium units. And the reason why is that number is restriction as far as the total density okay. allowed for it. Okay. Was the um, the ingress and access to that project from Olin the same as this project? Yes. Okay. Um, so and and one. Thank you. Uh, one further question for you, sir. If so, you're saying that the project is that project is not feasible currently. Correct. Okay. And could you just? I know you mentioned interest rates, but could you just elaborate a little bit on why that project is not feasible? It, it, it's not. Uh, there's a, not a return threshold, not on a return that I would like, but a return that a capital partner group would like okay. to provide the construction financing. So basically, it's. Not okay, so let me ask you a further question. Um, we, we've heard on this commission that mixed use commercial ground floor residential is no longer really we've heard this from other folks. What if it was a um, purely residential condominium building? Have you considered that would that be feasible? Prior to moving forward with the hotel, I had quite a bit of interface with uh, senior planning staff mm -hmm. with respect to trying to modify the existing approvals to to go forward with, with that. And the polite answer was um, that won't that won't happen. Uh, so I looked at it from the standpoint of versus just sitting on the dilapidated uh, gas station in, in disrepair to move forward with a uh, complete redesign of the project to a hotel looking for the need for additional 20 feet in height to get the project work. Okay, thank you. So now I have a question, a couple of questions for planning staff. Um, number one, um, so the applicant stating that he came in asking for what modifications might be possible and was told that complete residential was not an option. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So when we do an urban village plan, we plan for where the the, uh, the planned employment or commercial growth is going to go and where the housing will go. Okay. And so we have to make sure we can accommodate both. And, you know, the decision in that process was really to designate Winchester really as for commercial versus okay. not residential. So we okay. use the mixed use, neighborhood, mixed use commercial designation, which is a commercial designation. Okay. Which says if you could do the commercial, well, okay, that's fine. You can do housing too, but it really is a commercial. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Greer. That makes sense. I understand that. Um, so another question for staff. When was the Santana Row Valley Fair Urban Village Plan approved? 
like 17, right? I think so. I don't know. August 8th, 2017. 2017. Okay. So my question is, what has changed between now and then that would that would justify this amendment. Yeah, I think what's changed is that that we're finding challenges and haven't, you know, we're actually not seeing a lot of development, frankly, you know, in, in much of Urban Village, but I think we were finding that that it, I think it was a 40-foot setback on parcels that aren't this deep is this canyon is creating challenges. And then this this the 45 to anchor degree angle planning is creating challenges for getting mm -hmm. some level development. In the in the in the marketplace, so so I think we we and you know again, the changes we were recommending were sort of um, we understand that people don't like it, but where the city developed urban village slash citywide design guidelines that had buildings that were like this, and what well, this was was like this, oh. mm -hmm. and so we're saying, well, why didn't we tweak it so it's like that? And so we thought it was a, a good compromise. It was at least the step down itself was a slight modification, and then the setback went from correctly a block from 40 to 20. Yeah, which is is a lot still more substantial than the citywide design standards. And the mixed use commercial zoning district, yeah. which allowed which um, the maximum I think is 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, do we have someone? either here on Zoom from the uh, Department of Transportation. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say that's unfortunate and problematic because a lot of folks here have expressed concern with traffic. Um, I believe they're correct, but I don't know since we don't have anybody from PD or law enforcement here. I don't think private no turn signs are legally enforceable. <laughs> but since we have nobody here that can answer that question, I guess I'll move on, which is. Um, I would just add, though, that lots of these sort of um, like traffic calming measures, more of the, the transportation analysis is taken care of during the special use permit evaluation. And that's where you have conditions for projects, like something like that, right? Like you have to put this no left turn or no right turn. With the general plan text amendment, there's no conditions or no space for us to make that kind of conditions. Which I, and so I'm fairly new on the commission. I think part of my confusion and maybe some of the residents is this feel like this feels like we're approving a project, right? We, we see a diagram of a hotel with exits, planes, and all this, but in actuality, we're approving a text amendment. Only, right. Correct. And then the developer, the applicant would have to come back for for the project, or would the project then go to a director's hearing? It would right. go to a director's hearing. Right. Director's yeah. hearing. Okay. And it is a text amendment. So again, if this project gets approved for the additional plan text amendments are approved, it could be another project, and there could be another project that's not on the site. 
but it is, you know, three doors down. Now the heights are not changing three doors down, but the step down and setback requirements would be changed to facility development on another site as well. So we, you know, the staff didn't wasn't proposing we just change it those on just the specific property, but it made sense to change it on the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So the you know there's been some I guess assertions by by some of the residents that these these changes apply throughout the urban village. So so what is it specifically the area along Winchester, Mr. Brio, that you're looking at or Rena has a map in which you can show. Just to clarify, while you're asking about like what the impacts would be based off of the amendments that are proposed mm -hmm. throughout the urban village, mm -hmm. is that correct? Yes. Oh, uh -huh. Okay, so I do apologize. I did a uh, more of a, a the urban village plan. Um, I can go back to the, the entire land use map and give you sort of a reference. Uh, but essentially, uh, for the analysis piece, oh, uh, for the analysis piece, you have um, the blue outline is uh, the current residential and urban residential land use designations. Um, and so if you'll notice, these are the areas um, where if with an approved text amendment would have the 20 feet setback and 55 degree daylight plane uh, for any new commercial development. And so the top left is um, uh, the top left is the, uh, where the subject site is 425 South Winchester. Oh, thank you. I do apologize if everyone can't see it, but here is the subject site. So this is the Winchester South Winchester Boulevard Street. Here is the 425 South Winchester Boulevard uh, site. And these are the residential, and this is Spar Avenue here, and the bottom here is the Olin Avenue. Um, over to the right-hand side, this is closer to uh, 880. 880. 880. 880. I apologize. Thank you. Same. Yeah, 880. Um, and then the bottom left is where, here. Uh, the bottom left is south of Olin Avenue, so uh, near the Santana West building, which is purple here, so kind of west here. And then underneath that is the, uh, just further south essentially is the brown is the urban residential land use designation, which is different from the yellow, which is residential. Okay, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm completely confused at this point and I'll tell you why. And it's probably, maybe I'm not understanding, but if you're saying it's within the areas of the blue line, 
is a is a residence. And my understanding from Mr. Rio is we're looking at more along Winchester. No, no, the, it's the changing of when you're a kid, post tax amendment. So there are standards in the next to a single family neighborhood, which is the yellow. Okay. Okay. Um, and so the tweaks are saying instead of having a 45 daylight plane, you can have a 55 daylight plane. Instead of having a 40 foot setback, you can have a 20 foot setback, is for those commercial areas that you see. Um, okay. So orange. The yeah, orange. Orange. Okay. Um, that okay. are adjacent to the yellow areas. So okay. It's not. It's kind of reversed. It's the blue should be on the orange and not the yellow. Right. It's the yellow or the right. neighborhoods that are, okay. are single-family neighborhoods that are okay. affected. Okay. I, that's great. That that clarifies a lot. Um, Chair, that's all the questions I have for now. I'll, I'll reserve some time later. Okay. If I could just ask a question, I think, just to clarify, I think it's relevant to what Mr. Young was asking. Can you just briefly explain why this particular project would be a special use permit rather than something that would come through this commission? I, I know it's just because of the type of project that's what it's subject to, but I think we could just clarify that for. Um, I, I would need to look up the zoning code itself, but I think in the MUC zoning district, um, hotels require a special use permit. I'm not sure why. Okay. Versus a site development permit. Um, yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right, I have Commissioner Bickford next. Uh, so just, I want to carry over from what Commissioner Young was asking about. There were several comments from the community about traffic, about parking, about traffic calming, and I felt that the rather cavalier response about putting up a sign didn't really address what we heard from the community. I have been to Santana Row, I don't go there anymore because the traffic is horrendous because <laughs> there is no parking. This property doesn't have enough parking. And I heard somebody mention that there's a, a, a looking for off-site parking, which doesn't sound like calming traffic to me. It sounds like creating more. And I'm, I, I, I would love to hear from somebody uh, that actually looked at this from a traffic standpoint for the neighborhood, not just people turning one way when they should be turning another, but how much additional traffic, uh, 190 something rooms, was it? 76, thank you, um, is, is going to have in that corridor, um, and how it, it might be affected by there. There's all, I drove by here, and it looks like there's a lot of other we'll call it vacant space, but it's adjacent space that would need to be constructed um, or would, would have to have something done with it. And there's still not a parking plan or a plan for how traffic would egress. And it just, I, I would like to know more about that. Um, if we can find a way to um, sort some of that. You mentioned I'll talk about the yeah, okay. Well, I mean, both the BMT and transportation analysis. Okay, and the local transportation analysis. Yeah. So, um, Port Hitchin done the CEQA planner for this one. Um, so, specific to the city's transportation analysis handbook uh, and looking at BMT vehicle miles traveled, um, the project satisfies um, a, an aspect of the city's transportation analysis handbook. 
uh, under a local serving retail um, criteria. Um, so basically any retail under 100,000 square feet total growth floor area is presumed to have a less than significant VMT impact. Um, so VMT uh, vehicle miles traveled is the way that um, transportation is evaluated under CEQA. Uh, so uh, less than significant um, EMT impact under CEQA. So um, under that, there's no transportation impact for EMT specifically. You said retail. It's a hotel. Mm -hmm. So it it's covers a mixed use project. Hotels are specifically very different in terms of vehicle miles than anything else you're talking about, right? I mean, that's that's a very it's a very different distinction. Seems like that you're, you're talking about retail, but not hotels. I mean, you know, people come to a hotel with their car to travel in a community with their car. It's not the same as going from home to a shop or to work, right? This is seems like it would be significantly higher traffic for a hotel than it would be for general retail. Sure. Did this staff want to answer if CEQA distinguish a difference between retail and hotel? So um, it's, it's the, the retail component of the hotel um, classifies this into a mixed-use project instead of simply a straightforward hotel project. Hotels and a retail project for the purposes of EMT. Yeah, it'd be just a mixed-use project. Yeah. Okay, so and then, but, and then there's also a localized transportation analysis of LTA staff department. So just to, I can just clarify. So you're saying because there's both retail and a hotel use, that means that it is evaluated as a mixed-use project for the purposes of BMT analysis under CEQA. Okay. okay. Is that is that city policy or is that state law? And, and if that's not something, okay, city policy, city policy 5-1, it's a transportation analysis policy. Yeah, if we could, if, I just want to make sure we're not doing too many things at once. If folks have clarification questions, we can take those. Just let's try to hear the answer to one question and then I can recognize folks for their questions. Thank you for, for clarifying that. That was my only question. Okay. Well, just to be clear, though, we're also to the LTA. So that the way I think that's what you need to get to the LTA. So the David Keon Festival Planner on the City's Environmental Review Team. So just want to be clarified. So since 2020, the state law said that every jurisdiction in California must change their metrics for how they evaluate transportation. So it went prior to that date. Actually, San Jose was a bit of a earlier because we were ahead of the curve. Essentially, prior to that time, double service intersection congestion was the metric used for determining transportation impacts. That is no longer allowed by state law. Um, instead, it's how much how much distance you are traveling in a vehicle rather than how many vehicles are added to a roadway. It's essentially getting at greenhouse gas emission reductions and not getting on congestion on roadways. So because of that, the city has the new transportation policy, well, it's not that new anymore, but um, the transportation analysis policy by dash one, it's based upon vehicle miles traveled. 
the vehicle miles traveled for this project are less than significant. And part of that's the fact that there's a lot of development in the area. So you have the benefits of having development that are areas around the site that people can walk to that reduces the amount of, of vehicle the amount of distance that vehicles have to direct travel. However, as an informational as part of informing for public works, there's also a requirement for what's called a local transportation analysis. This is also included in the as part of attachment to the initial study that was circulated for public review. And this explains other aspects of the project, for example, and how it's going to impact operations, how it's going to how through traffic. It's various aspects that are not covered under CEQA, but are definitely as informational sources are provided as part of it. So all that is provided in local transportation analysis, and public works reviews that in terms of the special conditions needed, for example, limiting right turns, limiting left turns, if there should be certain improvements needed in order to improve the traffic flow. So that is all under the that is all an attachment to the initial study. Is it that person the applicant or no, this is a uh, from city staff. Um, all right, so I'm Commissioner Garcia. Just clarification. Oh, yes. So, so that document is done and yes. available for. Yes. Okay. Was it in our packet? Yes. Okay, I didn't see it. Thank you. Commissioner Garcia. Well, thank you. So, yeah, I share many of the concerns that the community has uh, expressed and, and both commissioners as well. Uh, the primary concerns are, are with the setbacks. Uh, modified the planes and, and the process because as stated we're not reviewing a project we're, we're doing a general plan text amendment so it seems like the process should have been different uh the other, the, the other thing that it bothers me is that these plans are from 17 and from current project is moved in 2020 Real estate is a long-term view. Planning is a long-term view. And these, these, these amendments seem to be quite premature uh, in the scope of, of the long-term view. I, I think it's too early to, to, I understand we want more development. I understand that we're in certain economic conditions where financing or capital might be more expensive than it was, but it's not permanent. It's gonna change and, and I think we have to be patient and. Uh, have a have a longer term view and 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 not be too quick to to make these types of changes that that not just affect this lot or this adjacent lots but the whole urban village of, of Santana Row. So I, I can't I can't support this project. Uh, I go as far as to saying I'd like to make a motion to 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 not approve these uh, amendments. I can't see this happening right now. Okay. Uh, can I just have a follow-up question for the city attorney? Is there is there a second to that? Oh, yeah. I guess is there a second to Commissioner Garcia's motion? A second from Commissioner Garcia. So I are there any if we're going to do that, is there anything that has to be specified in the motion, the findings or anything yeah. like that? So staff laid out their recommendations to approve or recommend approval projects or the text amendment so you have to go through this analysis to basically find you know or make the analysis for the opposite. 
So that will be the analysis shown in the staff report. And I don't know if you want to make it for both the SQL resolution and for the text amendments or just text amendments and not the SQL resolution or other They both have time to Okay, no. I, I think um, the way I would do this is we still have, and sorry, not necessarily findings per se for the text amendments, but you have to find that they're not conforming to the bill. Correct. Okay. Um, and this is a clarifying question yes. about this process. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Would there be a difference here versus if we had uh, the opposite motion for approval and voting against that in terms of whether we need to make additional findings? Just logistically. That's my question. Well, I wonder if that might be simpler. Well, allowing folks to if we instead just had a motion to approve the staff recommendation and then folks voted against that, is that oh, just had different no, here in terms of the findings no, that need to make? Yeah, because I think there's only three things we could do. Well, not not really three, but we could approve the staff recommendation, we could make some other recommendation, or we could not make a recommendation. So yes. Um, I think as a matter of procedure, because um, I don't think it's explicitly specified how to handle this, I want to take any further discussion from other commissioners and then after that um we can consider commissioner garcia's motion and what findings would need to be included in that if we were going to consider it um so i commission for so i've had you down for a while and can travel across afterwards thank you chair uh i think like some of my other commissioners here i would also prefer if this were remaining a residential project uh, i had a question for the applicant in terms of the feasibility of the previous residential proposal uh, specifically, you know, we noted that the previous small scale residential proposal, six five stories, was not being financially feasible. I'm wondering if a residential project with these increased heights and decreased setbacks and daylight planes, if that would affect the feasibility of residential on this site, or if any of the state laws that we've mentioned uh, today that allow residential in commercial zones and could thereby, you know, allow some additional residential density could also affect the feasibility. So next question, when I looked at all those angles before proceeding forward with this hotel, I wouldn't have proceeded forward with the hotel, expended the type of uh, funds I had to expend to get to this point in time. So I appreciate that, but uh, that, that ship has sailed as far as looking at other uh, opportunities. Uh, if it's denied tonight, uh, my, my choices are twofold to sit on a dilapidated service station, just leave it like that, or look to the city council uh, to uphold the, uh, the project if, it, if we're moving forward to go forward with. That's, that's, that's exactly what's in front of you. Thank you. I guess one more clarifying question. Sure. So, is it accurate to say that it's really a question about the ability to get financing for a residential project versus a hotel project in this location, and less about you know the specific variables involved in the pointed out by staff when you have 45 degree daylight thing and you have a stepping over building, it adds tremendous cost to, to the structure. That's why we went back and decided to get an L-shaped structure to to allow for a more efficient building to be built. The room sizes are smaller on a, on a hotel. There's many things that go differently in a hotel than you do on a residential uh, project. We took out a level of below grade parking. I know there was a comment with respect to parking. I've been in dialogue with uh, 
federal realty on, on several uh, occasions. They politely said, Mark, um, we're going to have to hold a little bit on our 1,100 parking stalls that we have right across the street because we're trying to land a major uh, office tenant. Um, and I'm encouraging them to, to do that. But there's parking around in, in the area in several different locations where we're not. I've had interface with Big Five. They don't use their parking in the evening and they could use the additional revenue that comes in on evening parking there. There's a lot of different places where we can, we can find parking. Most of the um, users of the hotel are, are coming on an Uber or a Lyft. The hotel operator, which is Sightline Hospitalities, has been working in lockstep with us today. They're very comfortable with the number of parking stalls we have today, irrespective of finding anything outside of the area. And the city has been bold enough to remove parking requirements for commercial properties, getting people into Ubers and Lyfts and getting them out of their sedans. Uh, so that's what uh, this uh, vision is for, for this property. Mark, something you said Monday about residential feasibility. Um, on October 26, the city council held a study session about uh, residential feasibility in the city with their outside consultants presenting the results of their findings. It basically showed that across, you know, all the higher density construction types, residential feasibility, uh, residential development is not feasible in the city. Yeah, we've reviewed that same study a couple weeks ago, so definitely understand the constraints that are uh, facing residential projects right now. Um, my next question was for staff. Um, you know, we've heard a lot from the community that they don't see a ton of benefit for the surrounding community from this sort of project. I think from my perspective, I do see, you know, some degree of benefit just in terms of replacing a defunct gas station with a nice new building. I think there's something to be said about that. Uh, but I also think that there's something to be said about additional revenue for the city. Uh, you know, San Jose and California as a whole faces a pretty, you know, anemic property tax base for historical reasons. Uh, and this would allow both kind of one-time revenue from construction taxes and commercial linkage fees, but also ongoing revenue from property tax increases, as well as, you know, uh, hotel taxes. Uh, so I'm curious if staff could speak to that angle a little bit and some of the things that that additional revenue would actually fund. What exactly is the fund? Do you know? Well, TOT tax. Mm -hmm. no, a lot of it goes to arts and cultural activities. Transfer, and, uh, TOT is uh, tra uh, transit options. Transit options. Yeah. Some of it goes to arts and culture activities, but not the other. I'm not sure. Basically, I'm not sure what that all the rest of it goes to. And then the rest of it just goes to the council. The council can direct it anywhere they want, yeah. not by charter. Yeah, that is do you remember what it all goes to? The benefits of city. Yeah. But we don't know how much we need to do that analysis, but yeah, I think this is a difficult project. Obviously, we've heard a lot of opposition today from members of the community. And you know, especially sensitive to concerns that have been raised both from the community and some of the commissioners. But the idea that you know we set out this plan and now we're deviating from that plan. I think I have a little bit of a different perspective there, just because I do think that these have to, to some extent, be living documents. You know, these urban village plans are part of the general plan, which sets long-term goals for the city. If you just look at, you know, some of the goals of the general plan in terms of increasing the intensification of uh, development, providing more commercial lands for jobs and revenue generation for the city, I think this does check some of those boxes. Uh, so to the extent that we lay out these plans and then development doesn't happen, you know, six years isn't 
a long time in real estate development, but it's also not nothing. Uh, so I think that the city does have to, you know, have a process to be nimble and respond to market conditions if the development that they're targeting is not actually happening. That's the end of that. Thank you, Commissioner for yes. Yeah, go ahead, Commissioner Kentrell. Right on the next. Here's the problem. We're using general plan amendments by the developer as a multi-side widget to solve the problem of not actually giving market conditions consideration in the development of these plans. That's important. This this pedal push up and down with general plan amendments should be done for different vehicles. I really I've been in business, I've been working in consulting business my entire career, except for last year. I have tremendous empathy for you. I understand, I mean, the comments, I understand what market conditions do. And when you're in the middle of them, you need a way to move forward. I understand. And I am sorry. This process should not be that. There should be a different process for this. And I'm certain there is. And it will be discovered if we don't approve this. Because I, I don't think this gentleman wants to go away. Um, so I think there's a process, but this isn't it. Uh, and I, I think the mistake is to use these types of amendments to fix a market condition, specifically problem for one developer that has lasting impacts on the community and potentially other problems. It needs to be much more thoughtful than that. So with that, um, whatever we decide to do, I cannot in good conscience agree to this process that we will have to figure out and undo later. So thank you. Commissioner uh, Wynne, then Commissioner Ferrosio, then Commissioner um. I thank everyone for being here. Um, I appreciate the community and all its concerns. I also appreciate Mark coming. I, um, as an urban planner by profession, um, would prefer to see a vibrant use of land because we are we want to be good stewards of the land. We want to see community come together, and instead of a, a dilapidated infrastructure or an empty space, especially. Something right across the street from Santana Road. I think it's a perfect opportunity there to bring everyone together and to have more families. And, you know, um, so for me, the rezoning makes sense. Even the height, after seeing the shadowing, I don't see a significant difference. I think that's good. Um, the text amendment, the, the, the issue that I have is where then it goes to amending figure five three no setback and no step back plane are required for new commercial development adjacent to sites that have a residential neighborhood brand use designation where there's existing legal established commercial use everything else i'm okay with i just because it's project specific because it's your parcel right that makes sense um but for the rest of the corridor, I, I think that that should be based on each. Yeah, like everything else I'm okay with. Um, it makes sense. Um, and even if we approve the project today, I mean, given the market conditions that we're going through, we don't even know 
if I mean, I hope you'd be able to build it, right? Um, I I would be in favor of it, except for uh, amending Figure Five Three, just because I don't want to set a precedent uh, for the rest of the community. I want the community to have the opportunity when those different projects come in to be on a case by case basis. So I, I'm okay with everything else, except um, this one that would alter the rest. Although I do appreciate planning, maybe having the insight that obviously there's been some, I mean, you think of Winchester Boulevard as a corridor, right? That's having a lot of action. Uh, we've seen a lot of residential and affordable housing. I, San Jose is seen as a bedroom community. I would like to see that economic development um, there's already stimulus there. I believe that this could spill over. Um, of course, I'm a mom of young children. I do think that what you put in a community should be local serving. Um, you know, I'm always like, okay, uh, where's the playground for the children? You know, to allow families that live in the community, if there's like a restaurant there, maybe have it be like family style where they do have like some play area for the, the children. Um, so that um, parents that want to go out for dinner have a place for their children. Um, I would really like to see the integration of a designs that, you know, we're not just, um, you know, just us, we're family. That means uh, the, the grandma, the children, everyone, we all kind of want to go out together, right? Um, so um, I'm in, in favor of everything except for amending figure five three. Sorry, one quick clarify question for staff. Are there any other sites within the urban village that are subject to the change to figure five three and that their residential neighborhood could have an existing legal commercial use? My analysis, um, no. no. So then it would only affect this parcel, yeah. that that change, it wouldn't affect anyone. Okay. Does that conclude your comments? Yes. Uh, can I clarify on that? So why put it in there? As opposed to the site specifically. Yeah, but instead of just it being specific to the site, if there's no other here. Um, I think we thought it would be more clear in the plan itself versus having little asterisks and addresses. So it would achieve, I think, the same thing, but we didn't. Just for clarity purposes of how we end up using these documents. Can we look at that graph again? Can I picture Let's do a slide. We said your question, Commissioner, on why we were proposing this or how? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think <laughs> there's a reason why there was a different proposal originally and it just changed. So I think why we're proposing this is because we built a plan that didn't consider the eventual change of market conditions away from commercial <laughs> use to the extent that we require. I think that's why. I don't think this widget solves that problem. So what I would like to do is solve that problem. And I'm sure you would like to be able to solve that problem because we all want to see more housing development and specifically this commercial requirement impacts that too significantly to give up on housing. My the answer to your question is 
it doesn't solve the problem that we're trying to solve. We should admit that and we should move forward on changing it so that market conditions don't always collide with development housing. There needs to be a break in the end of that stuff. And so I, I just well, want to ask folks. So actually, before we go there, looking at this picture, I see a lot of residential around a lot of orange, and that's not the same problem. So wouldn't this impact those uh, other areas? The language says that it would apply to RN, so whatever's yellow, okay. um, but only if those sites that are yellow have an existing legally established commercial use. And 390 spars. Yeah, 390 spars doesn't have. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That, that's the that okay. yeah. and, and also, I just, I think we're, Losing procedure a little bit here. I'm keeping a speaking order. If if folks want to ask us a quick clarification on something in the moment, that's totally fine. But if you have a longer comment, please, please get my attention. I'll put you on the list. But folks can go in order. Um, so next, I have Commissioner Perosio and then Commissioner Alberio. Thank you. Um, I'll keep mine brief. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. Uh, the process that Commissioner and Trevor talks about in terms of if, you know, if this isn't the widget, the forum, the, the space for this to happen, which I totally agree. I think if there's been analysis and meetings, I think we need to honor that. And I think to have a meeting where we recommend something to the council with our stamp, right, with our community, you know, as community members, I think that's not the space. But my question to staff is, what would be the alternative process? Is there something established or does there need to be in a um, addendum made at the council level for such amendments to happen inside of the commission level, but through another way? Are you saying it, I think, are you asking is what would be the process to do more Sort of a rework, a revision. Right. Yeah. It does one exist, and if not, what what needs to happen in order for such recommendations from a private party or even from the community that they want to shift the established, agreed upon urban village plan? Um, because right now, apparently, it looks like there could be a private entity that could recommend, and we would entertain it, and then say yay or nay. And then it goes to council, right? So that seems to be the current practice. Is that the only option, or is there other options that could be explored? But maybe this one's easier right now for the interested party, um, the private party, that they pick this route. Um, is there another route? And if not, where could that other route possibly be with our current structures? Yeah, so there is no current structure, but the general plan has a 40 million. I think what he's asking them is not necessarily general plan amendment. Is there another? No, 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 hang on. So there is a formal process to like go there. Because at the general plan, that's every four years. There isn't for urban villages. The only acceptance is part of the housing element. You know, work items to go back and look at the facility housing is not working. So that, that, but that's more of a, a global thing that we look at each village. So, um, but what we council have to do is say, hey, council direct direct staff to go 
um, to a process to do that. And what is the scope of work? So the scope of work could be very limited, it could be very expansive, but it would have to come from council. And then the council would then need to identify funding to go with the process. And if they do that, would that capture all the 63 urban plans or would it just be one urban plan to the next urban plan? Well, well council can do whatever they want. I think given that council wants us to get these plans done yesterday, I, I can't imagine they tell us to go through them all. They could, they could do that or they could say, given what's happening in this area, whatever it may be, market forces are changing or there's issues coming up, staff, we want you to go back and engage the community to open up this plan and talk about amendments to the plan that are independent of a private development proposal. And then the scope would be whatever the council decides. It may be very limited, it could be very expansive. And on the circumstances of what council's desires are. Could council say something where um, they do that, but it sort of sounds like if they do that, it's sort of a one-off, please look at this. Um, Please correct me if I'm wrong. Is that, I don't see that being something that could be baked in in terms of policy or legislation. Is that something that could be something that could not just be a one off, hey, this community made a lot of noise, let's take another sure. look, but something that could go in to protect all communities? If I could, maybe, Michael, if you feel like I'm not answering for you, but I speak succinctly. I mean, I think you're talking about like, what hypothetically could council do on a policy? And like Michael said, they really could create any policy they wanted, but nothing like what you're talking about exists currently. Correct. And I think the challenge is that um, they could do a quarterly review for urban village plans or a 10 year review. The challenge is we don't have the capacity to get the plans that are the urban villages. We already have a general plan done. So how the community work? So I think it has to be a choice that the council is how much they want to do plans like comprehensively that they've already approved versus should we be spending our resources on that or should we be doing spending our resources on doing new urban village plans like more housing as opposed to the city and so that would be a, a policy decision that's under four priorities and and in those policy revisits could it be put in place where if there is going to be amendments to the language that it has to come through the grassroots, right? It has to come through the neighborhood and not necessarily from private development. But I understand, right? We don't want to leave a stakeholder out or, you know, not invite them to the table, but how strong could that? Well, I mean, council could do whatever they want to do. I mean, typically when they ask us to update a plan, it's not, it, 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 it could be for a whole host of um, a lot of times it's that market conditions have changed or other circumstances have changed. The plan that we have is obsolete and needs to be updated. Um, it could be driven by the development community and property owners having extreme changes. And instead of doing a lot of GPA, um, they approach the council and say, I think we need to revisit this plan. And as part of the process, council will give direction what the gate would look like. Typically, what we think it would probably would look like is there'd be a series of meetings and talking about you know those changes and feedback on that and kind of developing something that um you know gets at the council direction while also getting input and, and shaping it for community and other stakeholders and my last question um if and and i know uh, commissioner 
Tordillos did bring up um, an interesting way we can vote. Um, another, you know, maybe a substitution amendment that maybe could live with the paperwork we have to do, but gets to the same thing that um, Commissioner Garcia and myself um, proposed, um, or he proposed, and I second. Um, if, for example, on the current recommendation, we don't um, recommend the staff recommendations A1, A2, um, does it still go forward to council with the asterisk of, hey, at the planning commission level, they didn't approve, but now it's still up to you? Yeah, so staff receive, or so city council receives a recommendation from staff and a recommendation from the planning commission. So if we were to take no action tonight, then basically they would have a recommendation from staff and then the planning commission is silent. Or we do weigh in, but they would just have both data points. They'll have the staff sure. recommendation and then they'll have our recommendation. Correct. Because as I said earlier, there are three things we could do. We can approve the staff recommendation, we can make no recommendation, or we can make some other recommendation. But it was going to the director. So, yeah, to clarify, the general plan text amendment will go to the council. The special use permit, which is not part of our right. consideration tonight, is goes to the director. Okay. 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 And But is it over? That's right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we, have heard, we have heard appeals of special use permits on the commission before. Yeah, and I, I, I did. <laughs> and, and so, special does that? Yes, um, I would. Uh, so it doesn't end here. It's it. No, we don't. We don't have any. It keeps going. Or any other than advisory. Right. Okay. Yes. okay. Thank you. That's that's all. Okay. Um, I see. Commissioner Alder has been waiting for quite a long time. He will speak next. Commissioner Alder, would you put your hand up so I can yes. record that? Okay, so go ahead, Commissioner Alder. Sure, thank you, Chair. And uh, I, yeah, I know a lot of folks said thank you to the public, and I do appreciate comments and have sat through so many of these urban village meetings over a period of 10 years plus. But I also realize people come to planning commission meetings, and we had double or triple the amount of people who came tonight that spoke against a liquor store. We still approved it. So I just have to manage everything within what the city's processes are. Um, I think plans in general, whether it's Philadelphia, San Jose, San Francisco, some plans just sit on shelves and nothing ever happens, right? And so, as we've discovered, there is no process. And the reason there is no process is the city has insufficient revenue to fund planning staff to go do this proactively. So how we react to the private market is through a privately initiated amendment. That's the market. Because they're coming forward saying, I could do this project if you make this change, whether you like it or not, right? That's the market. So. Um, and, you know, in the past, too, I, I think it's important to know, even when we do urban village plans, they are, I think, almost 90% grant funded. They come from a, a federal fund, a state fund, because the city doesn't have the money to pay for that planning process to happen. Um, outside of urban villages, we've had specific plans in the city for decades. And specific, specific plans are constantly and have been constantly amended and changed to reflect the market. It just has a different name. So calling specific plan, it's called an urban village. Um, staff has said, and I've realized, and I think everyone in, in the general city understands that this is a urban commercial area driven by Santana Road and Valley Fair. And the addition of work from Network Appliance, Splunk, and other companies are what's driving the financing for this potential hotel. Because this hotel will be filled by workers and customers of those companies. When I travel for work, I don't take a rental car anymore. No one rents a car anymore. We all take Ubers or Lyft or whatever, and that's how we get to where we go. So I understand why the parking is way different than it historically used to be. Um, and I think it's really important to denote 
the tax revenue that comes with a private development such as this is the commissioner videos pointed out there's the one time construction taxes that go to paving arterial roads. There are the funds that go to ongoing funding for all local government for school district, city and county to fund the property tax and the TOT tax, which does go to fund the convention center and the arts. But guess what? If it's not there, the general fund has to fund that. <laughs> so if you want that park, I know this was someone on the phone call wanted that park to be completed for it to be maintained requires ongoing revenue. So uh, I think ultimately, you know, obviously this is always an interesting process for us to go through these discussions and, and I know the community feels like what the hell, you know, we sat through these meetings, this is what it is, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, plans can be modified through a public process and you have an opportunity to weigh in on that process and ultimately that city council makes that determination both on market driven economics and of what they want and my you know, I can't speak for the council. I mean, we try to think what they might say on any given day. We don't know because they have 100% flexibility to say whatever they want or do whatever they want. But I know as we go into the new year, you know, we're always faced with uh, revenue issues in the city. And I, and it's even though as a resident, you may say, well, that sounds shallow. What about me? You know, I live in the vicinity of this project and all you're talking about is revenue. We do. Because when we approve all of these uh, low income projects across the city, they don't pay any property tax. So we're trying to make up for some of that revenue to fund ongoing city services. It's a challenge. I agree it's not perfect, but at least it's public. If this was China, we'd say you're moving, you know, we're knocking down your house in two days, right? So it's America. We have plenty of democracy here. Uh, and ultimately, I'm inclined to support staff's recommendation. Understanding the process is never perfect, but at least it's out in the open. And, uh, you know, that's what it is. Okay. Uh, Chairman, else was? Okay. Do we have any further discussion from the commission before we move on to consideration of Commissioner Garcia's motion? I'd like to just weigh in one more time. Sure. Um, <clears throat> it's been a really good discussion, actually. Um, this is a really tough call for me. Um, I came in after reading the staff report pretty much in favor of this and then swung the other way. And now I'm not sure. I'll tell you why. I think. Um, Commissioner Nellis Wise and Oliverio have made some good points. Um, first of all, a hotel is really good for the city because not only you get property tax, you get sales tax from the restaurant, and you get transit occupancy tax, which is very high. So, um, as far as trying to help our revenue situation, which we need to do, probably you couldn't build anything better than a hotel from that standpoint. Um, for the residents, we have a real challenge in this city, and the challenge is that almost all of our commercial corridors have single-family residences right next to them. It's very difficult, and I totally understand where you're coming from about why do you want to build this tall building right in the backyard of my house. The problem is, in our city, because so much of it is zoned for single-family houses, if we never did that, if we never built a tall building next to a house, we'd never build anything in the city. Um, so this is, this is a, a really tough call. And the other thing that's very confusing for me is unfortunately, I think this project is getting mixed in with the amendment itself. Um, however, what I've, what I've now heard from Mr. Brio is that, let's say the council approves this amendment and the applicant goes forward with a project that 
let's say the director approves, you all can appeal that approval and it'll come back here to look at the specific project. Um, because I have concerns about the ingress and exit on the project. I, I don't think it should be on Olin Avenue. But the more I think about it, that's not really what we're voting on. We're voting on the uh, text amendments, which, which I think are appropriate because I think we need to intensify the use on Winchester Boulevard. Um, the other thing, too, is whatever we say is advisory to the council, they're going to make the final decision. So I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm in favor of the staff recognition at this point, although it's a tough call. <clears throat> yeah, Mr. Cordias. I guess I've never done this before, but logistically, is it possible to make a substitute motion? Yes. Yes. Uh, could I make a substitute motion uh, to test the waters here to approve uh, the staff recommendation? Second. Second. Okay, so there is a set uh, substitute motion from Commissioner Tordios to for the staff recommendation. I'm just going to give it to Oliverio because you two spoke almost simultaneously for the second. <laughs> um, okay, so Daniel, just remind us the process for substitute motion. So you vote on that substitute motion first. If it fails, then you can go back. Okay, all right, go back to Commissioner Garcia's motion. Okay, and one more clarifying question. So there's different vote thresholds for the two motions, correct? No, no. Okay. because, yeah, that's a great question. Because look at let me explain, see if it clarifies. So yeah, what Daniel's saying, there's a substitute motion on the table, we would consider it. If it passes, we're done with this discussion. If it fails, we'll consider Commissioner Garcia's motion. Regarding the threshold, because the two motions, one is to approve the project, or rather approve the staff recommendation of the text amendment. Another is to recommend rejecting staff's recommendation with specific findings. Both of those, because they're general plan decisions, require a majority of the body rather than a majority of, or majority of the entire membership body rather than a majority of folks who are here tonight. So five, six votes instead of five. Um, okay, yeah, I wanna give some comments. Because um, yeah, I've, I mean, really ever since I knew this was gonna come before us, I've been thinking about this a lot and been pretty back and forth on it. and. Uh, and also, just for context, I live in District 1, this project's in District 1. I know some of the folks who came to give public comment tonight, and I really thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, so I guess I want to frame my thoughts here in terms of what our role is as a planning commission, because we are not city council. As has been said many times, city council can do whatever they want. Uh, if city council, city council sets policy, if a project comes through and city council wants to make an exception to a policy, they can do that. If they, if a project comes through and it follows policy, but city council wants to deny it, there are some state laws restricting that, but to some extent they can do that. And if city council feels that a policy is not correct, isn't serving its needs, or if things have changed, city council can change that policy. But we're a planning commission. We're not elected. We don't have the power to set policy. We can make recommendations all we want. We can we can make any recommendation we want, really. That's that's the anything we want to do, we can do. But uh, but it's just recommendations. When it comes to projects, our role is to make a decision, not do we think it's a good project, not it's does the project follow policy. That is what our recommendations should be are supposed to be based on. Um, and I just want to go back to some of the things I said earlier. I don't think it's great that, um, you know, 
a general plan text amendment that affects an urban village policy that the notification is only specific to the property, not to the entire urban village plan. I, I feel like that's a policy that should be, like that's a flaw in the policy that should be addressed. I also, I don't think it's great that, you know, the only way to update an urban village plan really is through a privately initiated general plan text amendment. I, I think that's a flaw uh, that should be addressed. Saying that we're working within this context of those are the policies, those are the realities, and we're supposed to evaluate the project in that context. And just to also clarify, I mean, to some extent, the general plan text amendment itself is a change in policy that we're being asked to evaluate. And I just want to compare and contrast this project. Um, I don't know if folks are aware, just on, Win on Stevens Creek Boulevard, just a little bit west of where this is, there's an old Arby's location, closed down a few years ago. In-N-Out Burger has explored opening a location there. Uh, and they did a preliminary review with the city. And the city basically listed, okay, well, with this project proposal, there's a lot of issues. There's restrictions on late night uses in this area. There's restrictions on drive throughs There's restrictions on street frontage because we're trying to create a walkable community and the drive through fast food restaurant is kind of the antithesis of that. Uh, and the project's consultant asked, well, can we just remove the property from the urban village so we're not subject to those restrictions? And staff said, no, like that's, that is a bridge too far in terms of changing this for that project. Um, and I bring that up because here we're talking about changing heights and setbacks, uh, which are still a change and still do materially impact what's allowed. But um, it's adjusting the policy you know, to uh, address, uh, how do I put this? Um, staff has evaluated it and is recommending that it be approved because they feel that it is an appropriate adjustment of the policy. Um, so that, that, that's what me trying to contextualize basically uh, where I'm at with this. I don't think the policy situation that we've been put into is great, uh, but that's what the project exists in the context of, and I think that's how we should evaluate it. Um, yeah, so I think that concludes my comments for now. Do we have anyone else who'd like to speak before we, we just yeah, Commissioner no, Pedro? No, um, there are no villains here. Everybody is really here acting in the best interest of the community and the city. I don't want anybody to go to be a villain. I also think there should be no victims. I don't think there should be victims at all. And that's what planning is all about. Giving room for community input, committing to that input, and then moving forward within the confines of what's agreed on. I also understand that this is a policy change. And I think that is firmly in the hands of the city council. That's, those are elected officials. They spend a lot of time and effort to be elected by their peers, their community. And that's where that should be. I don't think this is an appropriate body for policy changes. And that's essentially what we're saying. So with that, I will say, I hope that we reflect 
on the fact that there may be victims to this policy change in this room. And that may be an unintended consequence, but a consequence nonetheless. We should all consider that before we make this. Commissioner Cantrell, I just I have yeah, a comment there, and I appreciate your you're always coming from the heart, Commissioner Cantrell. But I gotta say, there always are victims in development because not everyone is 100% agreeing with what they want. I mean, someone probably didn't want the house I'm built and built today, right? I mean, it's just a, the inevitable turn of things, and there's always a level of friction in these decisions. Cities are dynamic and they're constantly changing, and I think the, the goal would be to have zero. But I think that's not the case. There's always going to be someone that's going to be upset. I mean, that's just you know, the thing is I can respect your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If we have no further discussion, Commissioner Tordillas has a motion on the table to approve the staff recommendation. If that motion passes, then our discussion is done. Uh, if it fails, then we will consider Commissioner Garcia's motion to recommend denial. Okay, so if there's no further discussion, we'll go to a roll call vote on Commissioner Tordillo's motion. Vice Chair Ellis Wise? Yes. Commissioner Barosio? No. Commissioner Bickford? No. Commissioner Cantrell? No. Commissioner Casey is not present. Commissioner Garcia? No. Commissioner Oliverio? Yes. Commissioner Rosario is not present. Commissioner Tordillo's? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. And myself, yes. I count. Five yes, four no. That is not sufficient to pass this motion because it is a general plan item. So the motion fails. So we'll now consider Commissioner Garcia's motion. Um, so, Daniel, could you guide us through how what would how the motion would need to be specified to meet legal standards? Yeah, I mean the other uh, plan here of. Other way this happens is if you don't take a vote for sure. So, but since that is your motion, do you want to go forward with your motion or do you want to continue? Yeah. Okay. So, if you want to turn to uh, Envision San Jose 24 general plan performance, there are some general plan goals and policies. This is in the staff report. Um, okay. I don't think we have a paper copy of the staff report. Um, okay. Would it be possible to put that up on the screen? Yeah. And also, that would be good for the public to be able to follow along. So it's not possible just to not amend it. Yeah, I need to justify the motion. Right, because it's a sequel matter, there's yeah, legal robustness required. Right, so. I mean, you gotta give a reason, right? The staff gave a reason why they're supporting why it's performance, and if you're gonna deny it, you have to deny it. Well, by definition, it's not conforming because, because that's why it's an amendment. Mm -hmm. I think it's about conformance to the point. No, but by, de by definition, it doesn't conform. But that's why we're they're asking to amend it. But if you look at the findings in the staff report, it cites specific policies in the 2040 general plan with staff evaluating. It's a GP amendment, but it's an urban, it's an amendment to the plan itself. So you need to make findings <clears> why <throat> the amendments to the It's not a general plan amendment to the general. It's an amendment to the to the urban village. Correct. Yeah. And and what I was asking is that the urban village 
urban buildings plan just remain as is. Right. So what you could do is rescind your vote. I mean, rescind your motion and then just not have a motion, right? No recommendation. But if you wanted to point out how this doesn't conform to the general plan, how this isn't conforming to the urban village, you would have to spell that out. By definition, it doesn't conform because we're actually change, right? So staff is recommending that. By definition, I mean, that's I guess, a, a project yeah. that we're looking for conformance and the change they're proposing. We're saying that proposed change mm -hmm. is consistent with the general plan with and it's consistent with the urban village plan. It is consistent with the urban village plan, is what you're saying. Yeah. But you're asking for change. So the, urban the way to plan. look at it is like the changes we're looking at what other policies, not, not like diagram 53 and 53. Obviously, there's conflict there. Yeah. But there's policies that we cite in our staff report that say, you know, we want vibrant um, Winchester, or we want to promote commercial. We point to that. We're like, this would lead to that, and it's in conformance with that policy. Right, but the, the, the 40 uh, foot setback is in the urban village plan, yeah. correct? Yeah. So then, by definition, changing that is not. Yeah. But then it would not be. I, I think your, your interpretation here is that it would never be possible to change an urban village plan. No, I'm just we're just saying don't amend it. Yeah, just saying, no, I, no, but I, I, I get that, but I'm saying what Daniel, I, I think what we're getting at is all right, let, let's not have Christ talk. Yeah, well, you guys do that all the time when you choose to. I mean, <laughs> so I think, um, are there policies up there where we say it's not? It's not, it's, this isn't too hard. You do it pretty easy. You look at the analysis that is we have this up. Uh, page five. Page four, they list the general plan goals and policies, major strategy three, policy FS 4.1, goal LU4, and then another policy, another policy, and then they have their analysis, right? So that analysis would be one that you would say, maybe especially that last sentence there, the proposed text amendments would allow for an intensification of checklists. Within this designated growth area, and basically find the opposite. Explain why. Well, I think there are other general plan policies about how they can. There are, yeah, there are others to look at the other day. My motion that would need to do this, right? It's just like a group effort here. I mean, I think for no restore speed order here, Commissioner Bigfoot. My specific objection here is around the setbacks. And around a a seemingly very large in scope ability to go up by 20 more feet and to encroach on that setback space. That is my specific objection here. And that is what I would like to address in the reason that I said no to, to this. It is it is too broad in its focus. I like the project. I think we should build a hotel there. I don't necessarily think it should have the ability to sweepingly change setbacks for everything in, in that geographic area. And I don't think everything should be able to go up 20 more feet. I think his project should be evaluated on its merits. I think that the citizenry have every right and obligation to say that there's something they don't like and that Potentially in that process, we can fix it, but this is not in keeping with the urban village 
documentation that was agreed to. I heard that from everybody earlier. And we're suggesting that a sweeping change is an okay thing for us to support and recommend. I cannot support or recommend that. That's. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 that's. Okay, so I think there is interest from the commission in deliberating further how we're gonna do this. So give my attention if you wanna get on the speak board. Commissioner Young. Yeah, I'd just like to, like to throw out an idea um, with full respect to your motion, Commissioner Garcia. We have a staff recommendation. We've already taken a vote not to approve that. Doesn't that achieve the goal of what you all are looking for, which is you're not in support of what the staff's recommending? I, I don't think it's our job to. It just doesn't feel right to me to have to take a vote on no and then say, well, I don't think that's our job. I think our job is to say yes or no, but staff recommended and the consensus here is not to approve it. But, but with due respect. Okay, let's, no. let's uh, try to keep a I'm done. Thank yeah. you. I, I can't show around for you next day. Okay. I think the answer to this is we said no. And then we send a clear message to council. Just add a message to council why we said no. We don't need to vote again to say no to something we already said no to. We can just clarify with a statement that we believe that setback changes and height changes are not the duty of the planning commission, you know, the duty of city council, so they choose if they choose to do that. So I'll my point of point of order on that, I don't think that's appropriate because okay. this body votes as a whole. And we voted as a whole not to support it. Got it. But to add other reasons of why we voted not, I don't, I mean, I'll turn to the attorney, but I don't think that's appropriate. I think what, what would be appropriate is as the majority does not support the staff recommendation, that'll that'll go to the council. Yeah, I mean, I I'm sorry, we're trying to get our right. extension. Um, so we, we draft a, a planning commission for city council memo and we, we write notes like Commissioner Cantrell expresses. All right, Commissioner Bigford is not supportive because of this and that. So there'll be that no, language in the memo. Always make I'm just making it clear <laughs> that we will, we will <laughs> capture these comments and that's what the council will do. Like they'll, they'll ask those questions. Thank you, because that's not what I heard earlier. What I heard you say earlier was if we uh, choose not to say no and provide reasons that we basically, this voice isn't heard. That's what I heard earlier. Be clear, what I was saying earlier is that there's a staff recommendation, there's a planning commission recommendation. There is also you know, more detailed report that we were alluding to. But I was saying for our planning commission recommendation, one of the things we could do is just not make a recommendation. And uh, go ahead, Michael. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to help you guys get to a vote. If you want to vote on Mr. Garcia's motion, there is a goal that says ensure that her uh, goal in the general plan that says ensure that village development respects the scale, life, privacy, and residential neighborhoods in the village. You could say you don't consistent with that. And that would be our finding. And then you guys can vote. Let's get back to <laughs> all right, folks. Um, so yes, to address the question to make any decision to make any recommendations, we would need six votes. 
Uh, Commissioner Garcia, I have you next. So, thank you uh, for uh, clarifying that. I, I was just, uh, I wanted to move forward with the motion because I don't want it to give, give the impression that we couldn't come to some agreement or we took no action, as was previously indicated, because we are taking action, and our action is that we don't feel that this would conform. Or Michelle Cantrell. So my understanding is that when we have a statement to city council, if five of us agree to that statement, six. six. In this case, because it's it's the general plan, it's a majority <laughs> of the membership of the body, not a majority of this, but. Okay. Because if it, if it was a majority of those present, the previous motion would pass. Yeah. Uh, that was the only note I wanted to make. We keep saying that we haven't come to consensus. We don't have a majority. We did have a majority, just not a majority of the actual body. We didn't meet the threshold. Because again, that's a city policy, not sure. But that's, I mean, and, and it just that is the heart of how this works. We are a body of individuals trying to come to a single decision. And to do that, we have an established threshold for how many vaccine people need something. So I can't take. Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, so okay. individually, are we allowed? Because we're allowed to make the same statement that you plan to include. Um, we would hope that that statement, if I make that statement, that I would like you to include for me, that it be verbatim, or at least close to it. Because I, I've seen them and they don't. They're, they're usually not verbatim, because, <laughs> you know, we're trying to summarize and these are recorded. I also want to remind you, um, we are still members of the public when this goes to city council. Like, I'm just saying, if we can't make a decision tonight or if you don't agree with the decision we make tonight, you're welcome as a member of the public to give public comments, write letters to city council. I've done that on multiple occasions when I didn't like the decision we came to as a commission. But that's something you can do in your well, personal capacity. Well, of course, yes. Okay, I guess I get all that. Um, I would like, I think we should try to be clear as a body why we yeah, don't do I, no, I agree. I think we should try to come to a decision, make a recommendation, but yeah. we can't. So, so let's vote. I mean, my motion would be to, to, uh, to not adopt the, the resolution to amend the, the uh, urban village plan because it's not consistent with goal UD9. Is that, is that legal sufficient? Sure. Okay. Well, actually, so that would be a friendly amendment. And Rocio, do you agree yeah. to that friendly amendment? Okay. Is there any further discussion before we hold a vote on that motion? Okay. So the motion that we're voting on is to recommend denial of the general plan text amendment um, because you don't find, I'm sorry, can you, you phrase that again? It's inconsistent with goal UD9. Yeah. Do you want me to read that goal? Please? Yeah, please. Sure. Um, I got it. Ensure that village development respects the scale, light, and privacy of existing residential neighborhoods in and near the village. Okay. Thank you. All right. So we will go to a roll call vote on that. Vice Chair Nels Wise? No. Commissioner Barocio? Yes. Commissioner Bickford? Yes. Commissioner Cantrell? Yes. Commissioner Casey's not present. Commissioner Garcia? Yes. Commissioner Oliveria? No. Commissioner Rosario is not present. Commissioner Tordillas? No. Commissioner Young? No. And myself, no. 
that is four no, or sorry, four yes, five no, uh, two absences. So that motion does not pass either. Um, so we have, we can either conclude this and not make a recommendation or folks want to change their mind and reconsider one of the previous things we tried to do. I want to say something. Sure. Go ahead. You know, when we talk about setbacks and height, that's more of a zone and that's project specific. But when you're talking about general plan, like we're doing a general plan in Texas, you know, this is the vision of San Jose. This is where the future, what you want to see in your 20 year forecast, something that's going to outlive us. What do you want to see, right? And when I think of areas along Winchester Boulevard, I think of vibrant energy. I think of like a lot of, of you know, people and transactions. So, and I know with the state right now, they help deregulate a lot of things, right? Making it much easier for someone to build maybe like housing, right? That doesn't, that wouldn't require a general plan tax amendment. So someone could come in and build 100% affordable housing like this scale, correct? Okay, so it's like, okay, hotel, affordable housing, wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, I think of the general plan vision that the city forecast, for me, this would be something I would want to see there. That's all I have to say. And Commissioner Oliverio, I had the next one. Yeah, I'd like to make a motion to close the general plan hearing. Motion back from uh, Commissioner Oliverio to close the general plan hearing. Second from Commissioner Young. Would like to allow any discussion that there is. So, Commissioner Cantrell. I, I think we kind of doesn't craft a distinction. City Council, thinking that this was just we were not avoiding an issue, but passing the issue to them to make a decision should absolutely be in their hands. I, I think we could have come to that conclusion. I regret that we did, but I understand there's lots of passion in here. But this isn't about, no, there's no, we're not trying to say that there shouldn't be planning, there shouldn't be a vision. I, I, I love the vision, the picture that you paint there. But that planning process belongs to these folks and the city council. This should not be the vehicle to conduct that specific business. Okay. So we have, I don't see anybody else trying to speak. So we have a motion from Commissioner Oliverio to close the general plan public hearing. I think Commissioner Bush, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just one. So we all were in this room for the last couple of hours. So we all understand the, what we want council to hear, right? We want council to hear exactly that, right? That, that there's, Different viewpoints. We discussed it very thoroughly. However, we weren't able to put a recommendation in the way that the notes are given, the piles of paper they have. What? How will the typical council member see that? Will they see it as, oh, okay, they didn't have anything? I guess they didn't really talk about it, right? Where we actually did. Um, how is it going to get presented, one, and then two, with people's understanding of how council members go through their packets, how will we be seen? So, so I'll, I'll leave it to staff to answer that, but I just want to say again, you are also, you, you yourself can right. give public comment, write letters, but um, yeah, let's go through like so we how would, it is. So we would note that there were two motions made, that the, the motions failed. There's a third motion right now on the table. We list who voted how. Um, and then 
I would say that I think if a council member opens a packet and sees six five or zero zero no vote, they're gonna like look through it and say, well, what's going on? Because typically we have majority support. I mean, that's just you know, sure. Uh, I think. They and then we summarize the discussion. Yeah, yeah. Do it. It's not meeting minutes for May that it's summarized. And all these folks will be there at the council meeting, and they will have to thank you, thank council. No further questions. Thank you. Okay. Um, all right. And I, just, I saw a couple of hands go up from members of the public during this. I just say, unfortunately, we can't accept further comment at this time. Um, so, okay. We have a motion from Commissioner Alvario to close the general, general plan public hearing. That will also have the effect of moving on from this item without making a recommendation. Uh, no other hands, so we go to the vote. Mr. Ernest Wise? Yes. Mr. Brosio? Yes. Mr. Bigford? Yes. Mr. Cantrell? Mr. Casey is not present. Mr. Garcia? No. Mr. Oliverio? Yes. Mr. Rosario is not present. Mr. Cordias? Yes. Mr. Young? Yes. And myself, yes. So that is. Can I, can I count right there? Is that eight, eight, eight yes and one no and two absences? So we have closed the general plan public hearing. Um, we'll go through the final items on the agenda. Um, do we have any referrals from City Council Board Commission for other agencies? Michael? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll go on to good welfare. Do we have a report from City Council? Um, we do have good memory because my lab's not there. Shut off. Yeah. So, um, I see that the Earth Council two sessions ago. And on Wednesday, there was a series of zoning amendments and general plan amendments that went to council um, related to the housing element. Um, what is it? Uh, Armature housing, ADUs, uh, 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 overlays on reused, recycled, and portable housing sites for previous housing elements. Um, then there was also the eliminating um, commercial requirements uh, for affordable housing in the zoning code that already been in the council. Those were all approved. Uh, on the affordable overlay, there was a motion uh, that was approved. There was a lot of debate about this from Council Member um, Peter Ortiz to um, direct staff to still encourage affordable housing to include commercial. Where they ended up is the staff should encourage the affordable housing developers to explore if feasible to include commercial. Um, I think there's a lot of reluctance to do that, but um, there's also a lot of people that are really concerned. Ortiz is particular about displacement small businesses that are often people of color and low income communities that get kicked out when affordable housing development gets built. Um, and so that, that passed. And then the other one that passed was um, the North San Jose um, overlays that you guys heard those were Thank you, Michael. And if I could just ask for clarification, um, I know you're speaking from memory, but you said the capital urban village plan was approved. Correct. Um, I know our recommendation had. Oh, that's right. Did, was, how did that incorporate? Yeah, process? so they did. I'm sorry, I should have remembered that. Um, the council did uh, bump up the highest density by 10%. Okay. So sorry, I forgot. That's you gave me a one. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Anything for subcommittee formation? Oh, sorry. Any other questions for council? Can I, I just, um, Michael, a brief question? And I know this wasn't a council issue. Have we resubmitted our housing? Oh, yeah. Am I allowed to talk about that? <laughs> 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 We did. We submitted um, was it November 29th? Yeah, was that? Wednesday. Wednesday last last week. Yeah. Okay, Thank you. <laughs> uh, anything for subcommittee formation reports announcing any business? Yeah. Anything for commission calendar or study sessions? Not that I'm aware of. No. I never actually know what's in public <la